New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare, MyHealthPolicy.com. Hi, it's Jerry the King Lawler, and you're tuned in to the Don Tony and Kevin Castle Show. I don't know why you are, but you are. Amazing, says some guy. These men have changed broadcasting forever. The Don Tony and Kevin Castle Show. Oh, yeah, you know, just, uh, oh, no, I can't afford Skype. Oh, the, the, the baseball analogy. Oh, the, uh, yeah, come on, I just think, uh, well, Yaki Kai, I don't speak Japan, and you f***ing people. Oh, yeah, you know, just, uh, f*** you, DT. Wah, wah, what do you think about that, Kev? Oh, well, uh, Batista's pretty f***ing sexy, and, uh, did I mention Roman Reigns gives me a boner? And, uh, yeah, um, uh, 1980s baseball and wrestling was better than anything else. <laughs> Dontony.com What's going on, everybody? It is Monday night, May 25th, 2020. Welcome to this edition of the Don Tony and Kevin Castle Show. I am Don Tony, as always, and drawing along with me is... Kev Castle, what's up, you Yeah, not much, not much. Um, still feels like Sunday night, to be honest with you, with the extra day Perfect. off because of the holiday, but... Uh, we just have Raw go off the air, and, um, you know, something that I have been screaming at for WWE for months and months and months, I don't get their stubbornness about it, but they finally did it today, and uh, we have some NXT stars around ringside, plexiglass, to uh, separate them from the, the ringside area. What did you think of uh, the NXT stars at ringside, and what did you think of the plexiglass? I liked it. I thought it was. Uh, I was glad to see a change of pace tonight. I was. I had a much different attitude watching it tonight than we did last week when we both admitted last week we didn't even want to watch the show. Uh, this week I wanted to watch it. Heard about this how they were gonna. Wasn't sure I was gonna come off uh, cosmetically on TV, but it looked okay. It, you know, if they, you know, took the idea from AEW or whatever. That's not the point. The point is baby steps. Get people back in there, even if it's 30 people, even if they're trainees, you know, developmental talent, whatever. It's better than dead silence. I was all for it tonight. Didn't make, wasn't a compelling show or anything, but it was much better. I watched it. Uh, I felt much better about watching it tonight than I have last few weeks. So I was, I was for it. Yeah. My, uh, my take on it is this. Um, 
I've been very vocal about it since AEW put bodies around ringside. And, you know, look, they should have done this much sooner. Obviously, when you have a billion-dollar company, you got to be a little bit more careful. Although everybody in the building has been tested for more than one week, so I don't know what the paranoia was, why they couldn't do it. But I'll say this. um, It's better than what it was, but I thought it was way overproduced. I thought, it, you know, if you actually look at some of the people around ringside closely— you know, they're actually showing gestures like when Angel Garza was on the mat. And they're showing gestures like, Garza, get up, Garza, get up. But yet, once a babyface won, they're cheering the babyfaces like everybody. You could, I, a lot of people said this tonight. It felt like somebody was there holding up cue cards, lifting it up for everybody to cheer, lifting it up for everybody to boo. I guess no, none of the NXT fans, quote unquote, thought that anything was awesome because we didn't hear any this is awesome chants tonight. Mm-hmm. We didn't get any heckling for the most part. To me, it was overproduced. Now, for everybody out there that is going to say, DT, wait a minute. You've been saying for months, probably the loudest person online been saying for months because, you know, I always follow AEW, you know, WWE do this. You got it. Why are you bitching? Well, this is what, how we look at it. I'm not saying that they changed it because of me, but I think they changed it because enough people out there were very loud saying that it's dead. It's, there's no liveliness to it. You know, AEW, especially after Saturday, gave that suspension and disbelief that there were fans in attendance. So I think enough people spoke out for WWE to say, you know what, yeah, we need to change this. I mean, I know you probably didn't hear this, but I said this on Wednesday and I said it on Friday last week. I have my TV. I heard it. All right. Well, I have my TV going for um, AEW last week. I had NXT Mm -hmm. on the laptop. And I have my computer um, do, taking my notes. And while I was watching AEW, and right after Cross's match, like I heard dead silence for about yeah. five to ten seconds. And I'm like, fuck, my internet connection must have went out or something. I go look over, I pick up the laptop, and I look at it, and my internet connection didn't come out. It was so dead silent when Champa went into the ring and everything like that. I thought my internet connection went down. And yeah. that dead silence is never good for pro wrestling. You know, even when you go to an indie event, and I brought this up before, you go to an indie event with 50 people in it, and it's loud, and you have a great time, and you don't leave there like, wow, it was a great show, but you know what? There was only 20, 30, 40 fans in here, so that made, that made it suck. Yeah. So, again... DT, why are you complaining if you got what you wanted? Well, I look at it like this. Enough people got vocal and complained about it, so WWE obliged. Now people need to get vocal and say, WWE, make this a little bit more organic. You know, it, it feels like overproduced. It feels like you're holding up the cards, cheer, boo, you know, this. I mean, if everybody's a little bit more organic... You know, you might have a little bit of creativity. It might be a little bit more fun, and it might feel... It's almost the same thing. It's just piping in noise. You know, it just felt way overproduced. And if WWE heard enough people complaining about no crowd in attendance, that suspension of disbelief, maybe they'll relax it a little bit and say, hey, you know, look, you know, you're a heel on TV, you know, 
favorite heels. You know, and you see uh, that that manager in, in NXT that's managing the two Indian guys. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's talking about smoke and this, this, and that. Meanwhile, he's supposed to be a big heel. I mean, eh, you know, it just, I think it needs to be more organic. If they allow it to be more organic, and let them be themselves, I think it'll be a hell of a lot more fun. But this, you know, cushiony, you know, I, I used earlier today the, um, oh my God, what did I call it? Not the bubbly bunch, I call them the cuddly bunch. That's what it felt like today, it was the cuddly bunch. Don't jeer any of the heels, don't do any what, 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 when somebody cuts a promo, don't heckle anybody, just do clear cut, Baby face chant for heel for, for baby faces, heels for heels, no matter what your personality is on TV. And they had the cuddly bunch around ringside. That's my opinion on it. I liked it. It's better than nothing. But it was way overproduced, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's just getting over the hump. It was the first time in. I mean, you saw Rock's daughter was there. She was out there. Jessamine Duke was trying to get into it uh, from the back there where she was placed. Uh, you know, they're also standing like at six feet apart, and they're kind of in that order, trying not to fall out of line from six feet. It looked like some of them were kind of really trying to hold themselves up there at some point. They are standing, DT, for like three hours. You know what I mean? This, yeah, I know, but you know what? We've been to a lot of events over the years, sports, where it's standing oh, room yeah, only. Concerts. Concerts. concerts yeah. Standing room only. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, like, and and here's the thing, too. You know, I, I know a lot of people on social media try to come off as geniuses, and they're like, oh, they're standing up all day long. And this, and I saw a few people do that. But meanwhile, if you just take a step back and you just remember the common sense and the, the procedure that WWE does, in between every match, they wipe the ropes down, they sterilize some areas, they spray some stuff. That's why it's pre-recorded more than anything else. They have people sequestering in from different areas. So this idea that, oh, they're standing up through the entire raw taping, that is pretty much a lie. All right, because while they're, they're doing the ropes and sterilizing this and sanitizing this and they're cleaning the area where the wrestlers brawled around the announcer's table, if somebody has to do pee-pee, I guarantee you they're allowed to do pee-pee. They're not going to be standing there going like, like, like they got to go. By the way, I'm wearing a Yankee jersey today. Somebody asked me to show a little support for the Yankees. Uh, anybody have an idea what number is on my jersey? And it's not Reggie Jackson. I would never I wear say, the Reggie. I was going to guess Reggie Jackson. No, I would never wear the Reggie jersey. The Reggie jersey is framed and it's autographed and I never, never wear that. But I'm curious if Reggie anybody fan, out there can guess what number I'm wearing. Because there is a number on the back over here. So uh, uh, Matt, it, Matt Noakes? No, no, no. It ain't Matt Noakes. <laughs> what, what number was Matt Noakes? 42? Uh, Tommy Pekeski, what number was Matt Noakes? Not, Matt Noakes was in a, a, no, he might have been 36 or 38. I think it was oh, 38. Second, 38. 38. Ah, see, go. I'm a die-out Met fan, but you, can, you can't stump me with jersey trivia. So far, I'm looking at everybody, nobody's gotten it right. I'll just show everybody because I know some people with audio only have not seen it, but Gidry. Gidry, Ron. Nobody in a million years ever thought I would have a Gidry jersey. Oh, and by the way, somebody made fun of me from a couple of weeks ago with the Don Tony show saying, oh, you don't really have guns. Uh, yeah, I'm working out a little bit. You know, I don't have really the guns, you know, but yeah, you know, we're getting there. We're getting there. I can't wait for the gym to come back so I could actually work out a little bit. So hopefully. Uh, I know. I know. I, I'm telling you, man, you know, by next week. And it's already happening. There are stores that already opened up that they're not supposed to be. 
you know, stop penalizing the responsible, you know, at, at, be at the expense of the irresponsible. You're always yeah. going to have, and, and this leads, this leads to Raw tonight. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I, a lot of people are at the point like, you know what? We trusted the government for the last couple of months. Now trust us. Trust the yeah. people who are going to be responsible. If you want to make it, make it a fucking fine. That everybody could go back to work, but if you're caught without a mask, $50 fine. Yeah. Plain and simple, $50 fine. And uh, I'm sure it could be challenged in court, but, you know, let the assholes challenge it in court and let's see where it goes. But anyway, this leads to something else with Raw tonight. You know, everybody got tested in the building tonight, Kev. The wrestlers in the ring, the NXT fans and all that. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they had the plexiglass there? I'm not sure. Uh, just as an extra, just to kind of show that they're going the extra mile despite the, the test results and everybody uh, clearing it. They're going the extra mile in case of, I don't know, spittle or something. They're fighting on the outside of the ring or sweat or whatever. I just, you know, the typical over precautions, I guess, to show we go the extra mile with what we're doing to protect our people despite the test results, despite it. You know what I think it is? And this is just a hunch. You know, our shows are mostly opinion. You know, we get into news, you know, we're really not into like breaking stuff because even when we do break stuff on occasionally, nobody ever gives any acknowledgement, which is cool. I take that as a badge of honor, but I I tell you, I thought about it long and hard. And the only explanation I could come up with, with this plexiglass is there's a higher purpose. There's a higher purpose. And I think when WWE allows some fans back in attendance, that plexiglass will remain up. And I think that plexiglass is there now for fans to get used to it on TV, for fans yeah, who yeah, used to go to yeah. full sale, get used to seeing it on TV, because something that I have talked about on probably the Don Tony show more than anything else, because that show tends to go off, you know, off of wrestling for a little bit. Right. You know, I bring up flu shots. And in the United States, which a lot of people may not know, less than half of the country gets a flu shot every year. There's a lot of parents that do not let their kids get flu shots because they're afraid of getting autism and a few other things. So when this vaccine comes out, not every single person is going to be vaccinated. Not every single wrestler is going to be vaccinated. Not every single child, every fan in attendance is going to be vaccinated. So the idea of this plexiglass, and for everyone out there, don't even try to sell me with, oh, a requirement to be a wrestler, you have to get vaccinated. You can't do that shit, you know, not in this country. But the no. thing is, is that not everybody believes in vaccinations. A lot of our, our followers don't believe in vaccinations. So until there's a vaccination, you bring fans in attendance, you don't know who's sick and who's not. And even if you check everybody's temperature at the door, it could be a day, two days, three days before you show any symptoms of the virus. So if that plexiglass is up and you got some people sitting front row around ringside and their temperature was fine when they came in the door and then two days later... They're doing, uh, you know, that that checking, you know, to see because you know, they got COVID. That plexiglass blocks the fans' spittle from the wrestlers around ringside. That's what touching I them think. In, I touch, think that's touching them in general, DD. You know, touching them in general. Yeah, and even when the vaccine does become available for a while, I think that plexiglass will also remain because, again, you can't. 
there's no way that you could force anybody to get a vaccine. So not everybody's going to get it. And not every, again, not every wrestler gets it. So you got people that have COVID around the ringside area. Look, the wrestlers are going to be checked every week. But when you let someone in the building, you're not going to let tell them you got to show a paper that shows you got tested for COVID. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. So you have to do precautions. And I think this plexiglass is designed for that higher purpose for when fans come in attendance, they don't walk in there and they're like, the fuck is this? Boing, boing, what's this? And I got news for you. You start seeing the fans banging against the plexiglass, you'll probably see them get thrown out of the building. I, I like what you're saying. I think what you're saying, now that I think about it, that's kind of makes a lot of sense. Get it, people acclimated to it. You're right. Started out small baby steps, like I said before, even with bringing back the crowd, quote unquote, if you want to call it that tonight with 30 people. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a different ball game. People getting those front row seats where you can reach out, touch the wrestlers, like be right on top of them. Not anymore. I think that's going to end for a while. And the plexiglass will be, I think, all around there. And I think it'll probably spread to AEW and Ring of Honor and stuff. I don't think you think and, it'll just be a WWE thing, DT, or a full. Uh, no, I think other places will follow. And I'll tell you why yeah. also. Another thing that, and again, I have not seen any podcast or a website write this. And we're no. going live not even five minutes after Raw. So I think we're the first ones talking about it. I think another number one reason, this might be number one A, is they do not want fans touching the wrestlers. Yeah, so when the wrestlers funny. brawl around ringside, they don't have to worry about little Johnny, whose you know, mother and father does not get him tested for COVID, and mommy and daddy were on the beach all day long with strangers from Tennessee and Oklahoma and Jersey and, and then maybe one of them got sick. So you talk about Mexico, you know, that event, who got grabbed from that fan that time, grabbed their ass or something? Or Scarlet, Scarlet Scarlet, okay. You know, you got that Mexican guy. I didn't think he meant anything harmful, but still, he's like, yo, I say, everybody, look, I grabbed Scarlet. So this is more, you know, for fans to avoid grabbing and touching the wrestlers. I think that's what's going to happen. I'm telling you, you know, I, I look, I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. They get a lot more views than, than you know, the work that I do, we do, but... I don't think anybody out there thinks this hard as far as DTKC show. I don't think any other show out there thinks as hard as we do. You know, everybody out there just, you know, does their own thing. And, you know, some people get a lot of views because they're nice. And some people get a lot of views because they're nasty. And some people get a lot of views because of whatever. I think we're the, we're the most real you know, always thinking about real life stuff. And I think this is the reason why it's being done. No, I agree with you. It, it makes a lot of sense. You're right. I think the days of reaching out and touching a wrestler and slapping hands or slapping them on the back are definitely over. And th so you think the plexiglass will run DT from when they come down the ramp all the way around ringside where it's impossible for anybody to touch them. So they're really going to embed it like throughout the whole, like from the ramp on, I guess. Right. So no I don't think they're anybody. going to let fans go all the way around the side of the, you know, the rampway all the way mm -hmm. to the back, like used to, I think it's going to be cut off to the ringside area and they're going to utilize those sides. In fact, it's, I think the plexiglass will probably be blocked off. It's hard to describe without having like a, like a drawing yeah. board or something. Yeah. But when a wrestler comes out 
and then goes around ringside. I think when they come out over here, I think there's going to be all plexiglass, and I think it's going to be blocked off on the side. So the fans, when they come in, they come in all the way from over here, and then they sit around ringside. And I think that's going to be the plan for a while. And uh, you could use that area for equipment. You could use that area for, you know, various things. But I don't think the fans will be able to get those seats where they used to get. Interesting take. Let's let's see if that pans out. That's makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't want to go a little bit out of place over here. And I'm a little pissed off because I took the screenshot and I forgot to put it in this computer to do the show tonight. But I know a lot of you out there already caught the preview for tonight's show and are seeing it. But it appears that Drew Gulak may have signed a new deal with WWE. Yeah, not his, surprising. Yeah, his profile is back on WWE's website on the, uh, the I, I think it's on the SmackDown roster still, but yeah. quietly added back. And look, I I agree. I even think Drew Gulak would agree that almost every wrestling fan <laughs> out there, Drew Gulak is n- not high on their list. But I blame some of that on the way WWE has utilized them in the past. And, you know, the guy is a great asset. And uh, if he's back in the company, that's a guy that I am definitely fine with being on TV. Agreed. He's, you know, as they say, a good hand, and that's not a insult. That's a compliment. He's, uh, you know, he can work with anybody, and I think he's has got untapped potential. And he's still a young guy. He could be, he could be a top guy. You never know. You mm-hmm. know, you never know with him. He's very much like a Daniel Bryan. That's why Daniel took a shine to him. They're very yeah. similar. Yeah. Shout out to Justin Guyton. Much love, and uh, what school did you go to? Are you surprised? Look, we're not, we don't have to get on that topic today, but are you surprised that like 99.9% of the internet was convinced that Velveteen Dream did what those people accused him of doing? No, in a sad way, I think a lot of people wanted that to see that happen for some reason, so it could be scandal of the month or whatever it is. I a lot would, of scandals you know, going around. A lot of scandals going around. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, I, I think, no, but I'm not surprised. And, and it died on the vine, as the expression goes, and nothing came of it. And good, thank God, because Velveteen Dream was a great talent, and it would have been a fucking shame. So I'm glad it's gone by the wind at this point. Don't even hear anything about it anymore. Yeah. Uh, by the way, for those with Super Chats, when the Super Chat goes over $500 today, then I will comment on the Alexa Bliss JD from New York situation. So, no, I'm just kidding around. Um <laughs> No, oh, seriously. Okay. That's, a, that's a big super chat. You know, look, hey, hey you know what? I got to mention this. On Friday, um, you know, the GoFundMe was set up for Chad Gaspard's family. And look, you know, Cena donated $40,000. God I bless him. I saw that. That's amazing. Yeah. God bless him. Tony Khan donated $10,000. I don't even know if he ever interacted with Chad Gaspard. God bless him as well. God bless everybody, whether it was $5 or whatever else. But I had, and it, and honestly, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I got word of the GoFundMe because of Karrion Cross. When I got word of the GoFundMe, I said, you know what? You know, because I know a lot of people like to, you know, contribute and everything. I said, whatever money's raised on Super Chat Friday night, not only am I going to give it all to Shag Gaspard's family, but the 30% that YouTube takes, which is a hell of a lot of money when people think about it, even if you only make 30 bucks and they take 10 of it, um, I was going to pay it out of my own pocket. So we raised about, I think, $240. 
And that $80 that YouTube would have normally took out, I paid that. So we already right. gave it to his GoFundMe page. And I think as of right now, his GoFundMe is already over $130,000 for his family. Yeah, it's amazing. That's great. Yeah. Um, you know, that it's a shame because, you know, last week there was so much love online. You know, you hope, you know, maybe people could just like let that, you know, just like keep going, keep going. And sure enough, it didn't happen. A lot of crazy shit going on. You know, the big topic online the last couple of days is bullying. And I've already, it's surprising, I've already done three shows talking about Hannah Kimura and her suicide. Yeah. But there's a lot of bullying, anti-bullying, exposing bullying, bullying the bulliers. It's just, it's some crazy shit. Wrestlers versus podcasters. Wrestlers just versus podcasters. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I even saw that Braun Strowman tried to get into it and, you know, calling people marks. And by the way, I already confirmed that this will not be a YouTube strike. But whenever we talk about Braun Strowman for the foreseeable future, um, it will be uh, preluded with this. Ho, ho, ho. Green Giant. Because that's what I think of Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman is the Green Giant. He's the jolly green giant. You know, he just, God bless his ability and his size and his strength and everything. That man never worked an ounce on the indie circuit. When you have a lot of indie wrestlers who are still waiting for two plus months for pandemic unemployment, still haven't gotten approved for it, and they're trying to set up whatever ways that they could generate some type of income right now. Um, and this guy basically tells them all that, you know, you know, that, that they're goofs for doing that. I just well, think that's, su- su- yeah, suck it up and deal with it. Yeah. Deal with, pover- deal with poverty. What are we supposed to deal with? You know, no I mean, money, look, no work, no job. I look, I, I'm not going to deny it. I have said some outrageous shit over the years, but I honestly feel in the last year or two, especially, especially when you get, have cancer staring you in the face, it kind of wakes you up a little bit. And try not to hold like grudges and try to be, you know, an uber uh, provocateur, which is what I always considered myself. So I have mellowed out a lot. And with that mellowing out, you know, I get accused of being a jerk, of being PC, of being insecure, of being this and being that. And it doesn't bother me, but... You know, I I have really mellowed up now. I will still criticize whoever needs to be criticized. I'll give my opinions, but there's no malicious intent behind it. And as far as what's going on right now, and I'll I'll give a quick comment regarding this Alexa Bliss JD stuff because people are going to keep bringing it up until the cows come home. But I got a kick out of Lance Storm because Lance Storm you know, was basically talking about, oh, what the fuck did he call it? Um, I have it right here. He called them, and let me see, Landstorm called them snitch tagging. He He's used the term snitch tagging. And basically sure. what Landstorm said, and I quote, if someone says something negative about someone that does not tag them, and is just voicing their opinion or ignorance to those who follow them, if you then retweet that ignorance and tag someone you are the one causing harm and spreading hate if some dude with 50 followers or a podcast that no one listens to says that landstorm is a piece of shit and he sucks landstorm will never know and never care but if that 
other fan tags him and tells him what that podcaster said, then that person tagging him is just as bad as the person who said it. And he <clears throat> called them instigators, pot stirrers, and stooges. And that's, I think, what sparked the whole thing with Alexa Bliss and JD from New York. Um, a lot of people out there, I you know, like... You ever, I use Hollywood as an example. Like you, We've noticed that some of the most outspoken people against women's sexual abuse ends up getting convicted for women's sexual abuse. I think some people out there who are over, uber, over the top with animal rights are usually the ones who have committed the most animal abuse. And it's almost like they got to push it and push it you know, to just make themselves feel cl clean from that. And there's a lot of people online, I think, that instigate and stooge and do things, not because they really, you know, care about the anti-stuff, but it's, there's a, usually a lot of guilt for themselves involved, too. And they want to see wars. You know, people love to see other people fight. And what better, if somebody wants to pick a fight with you and me, what better way to do it? Not to just try to stir shit up with you and me, but to stir shit up and come off looking like a hero about it as well. So when right. you see these people running to wrestlers of this and that and saying, oh, look, oh, did you see this? Oh, did you hear this? Oh, did you watch this? You know, it's not about, you know, oh, you know, we got to stop the bullying. No, it's about... <clears throat> I want to see a fight between, I want to see this guy, you know, suffer. I want to say, you know, like Mr. Fu, I want to see him suffer. Oh, sorry, sorry. And then, you know, they come off thinking that they're heroes. And meanwhile, they're just making it even worse. So. Well, well you ever get tagged? I mean, I've been shown stuff that didn't even say my name on it. And they said, you think that's you? I says, no, I don't think that's me. And why would that be me? There's thousands of people that could be. I it happened today. Say, it happened today. You think, that, you think that's you? I spoke to JD on the phone, by the way. Today. Yeah, well, let me just say this. It happened today. Yeah. Um, I posted online, you know, why I want people to follow me on YouTube, subscribe, or follow me on Twitter. Mm. And I posted, you know, that basically what I've been saying since 2008, you know, I want people to tune in because they like us, not because they hate someone else. And I want people to follow me because they like what I do and they follow what I do, not because I followed them. And right away, I had three assholes. I had five people bring it up to me, but three were trying to start shit. And they're like, you know, why do you have to be a dick about your co-host so much? And I said, what are you talking about? Oh, did you see his Sergeant Slaughter tweet? Don't act like you didn't see it. I'm like, no, I have about almost everybody muted on Twitter because I just don't want to, you know, get baited into stuff and I don't want to, you know, spark anything. And you, you had said something about slaughter. And I said, no, 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 no. Go back to my social media page. Because right after I wrote that tweet, I posted Vince Russo's tweet when Vince Russo was telling all his fans, hey, follow me. I'll follow you back. He was doing exactly what I was saying. That's why I posted. I posted them back to back. But right away, people want to stir stuff up. And even here, uh, um, when I do this stuff online and I talk about goops, you know, I have people repeatedly saying to me, you don't have the balls to mention him by name. And they they just want me to mention him by name. So if a war starts, I uh, mean, I don't need to mention people's names when they, when some moron writes on Friday, WWE may never return to house shows. That's the big story going around the net. 
and goofs are actually picking up on it. Some other goof didn't even know that Disco Inferno was a wrestler and writes this story that Jim Ross addresses fan who criticizes AEW. It was fucking Disco Inferno. And even after they brought to his attention, the, the, the idiot's attention that it was Disco Inferno, they keep it, and other people are retweeting this, this and that. And Disco Inferno's been on Impact Wrestling. It's not like he's been off TV since 2000, since NWA TNA. And there's one, and the, the best one was today. Vince McMahon no longer angry at Roman Reigns. You know where that came from? Where? Because Vince <clears throat> McMahon wished Roman Reigns a happy birthday. So you remember the dickheads about a month ago that you and I, we addressed it. About a month ago, we addressed these dickheads because Roman Reigns was cut out of the clip where Seth Rollins won the title. Motherfucker, they didn't want to see Roman Reigns getting pinned. They don't want people talking about Roman Reigns right now because he's not on television. And because Roman Reigns walked out of WrestleMania, WWE is angry with him, but they'll never show it in this, this, and that. And now because Vince wished him a happy birthday, now they're like, uh-oh, uh-oh. He just wished him a happy birthday. So we'll now have to report that Vince is no longer angry at Roman Reigns. They dispelled the bullshit story that they created in the first place. So I don't need to name goofs by name. You go look for yourself. And when you go in these places and you see that nobody puts their own name behind it or their own picture behind it and this, this, and that, these are the people that I keep addressing over and over again because it's toxic. It's toxic. It's garbage. So, but uh, getting back to the JD thing, what's your take on the whole thing with JD? Well, I, I spoke to him today because I know him. I, I, his brother Frankie is in a band that plays for me. The guy who does the guitar intro for him, he's in a band Legionary. They play for me a lot. I haven't seen him in a while, but I know his brother Frankie. So I know him outside of this whole thing. I didn't even know he was a wrestling podcast until a couple of years ago. Um, but uh, what happened was he had said something about Alexa Bliss. It was a while ago. It wasn't that long ago, but it was few episodes back and it was a select clip where and i gotta admit i kind of it's funny when you hear it i can understand it's offensive but again you you, know, you kind of get a little bit of a laugh out of it where he had said you alexa bliss puts in no effort in the ring and was comparing her in bed in a sexual setting that she just lies there and doesn't do any work lazy in bed like lazy in the ring something like that and again it's not a nice thing to say but it, it was said obviously in, in, in a uh, the extreme character JD this you know he's this loud boisterous podcast away very gimmicky I don't think he was taking a shot at Lexi Kaufman but I I guess you could say it can be taken that way and somebody put it up tag Lexi Kaufman on it who is Alexa Bliss whose name is her real name on Twitter she has had a thing with JD back and forth for months now she has responded to him this has been an ongoing thing and uh, today she was like, how dare you say something like that about my personal life? And, my, and this was an old clip. It was just, someone tweet snitched and tagged it and put it on, uh, put it there, made sure it was there for the world to see. And I don't think he was hiding it. I mean, this shit is posted, DT, for the public. It's not like he tried to eliminate it. Ah, gotcha moment. But I guess someone thought that had a gotcha moment. And Alexa responded. Braun Strowman came to rescue. Sonya Deville told JD if she ever sees him, she's going to do this or that. Uh, Rhea Ripley said something, and uh, like I said, I don't want to get into because personal phone call. I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but I spoke to JD, and uh, you know, again, he's going to address it tonight on his show, his opening monologue, you know, monologue, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
I don't know what he's going to say. I didn't tell him what to say. He asked mine, like your, my brother's advice, because we've been around for a while. What will we do? What will we think? And that's really for every podcaster to choose. You choose to do your thing, DT. I do mine. You don't force shit on me. I don't force shit on you. Uh, but he's going to say, you know, tune in tonight, see what I say. But I don't, I, I, I don't think he's going to apologize or walk it back. I think he's kind of just going to explain that it wasn't a personal thing against Lexi Kaufman. It was about the character Alexa Bliss, that the, there's no substance to it or it's a lackadaisical character. Again, people have their way of putting things. Uh, it's not the way I talk, per se. It might not be the way Mish talks. And we all have our different cadence. We all are different podcasters here. But uh, JD is, is very boisterous, very loud. He, he, sets, he sets people off. He's very uh, controversial. Um, is, is it, is it a gimmick to a degree? He's a nice guy in real life. I wouldn't, let me put it this way in all seriousness, if he was like that in real life or really, I, I wouldn't be friends with someone like that. So he's, he's a good guy in real life. He's not a bad guy. Uh, again, we all say things we might regret. That's his thing to deal with. See how he deals with it tonight. But personally, I know him. He, he's not a bad guy, but I could see how people can take offense to that. But, uh, I don't think the wrestlers are helping by putting his picture up there and, and saying this and that about them, and then basically sicking their fan bases on this podcaster. It's not a very fair fight, DT, when you have Alexa Bliss, who has half a million view, uh, followers, Braun Strowman. That's, that's a lot of power behind a statement. I mean, JD's got a lot of followers, but they got a lot more. I mean, is that a real fair fight, DT, a bunch of wrestlers against a podcaster? Well, you know, I've been saying forever back to the 90s that, you know, if you could, if you could give it, you got to be able to take it, no matter what. I agree, and, and, and you, you've always said that, and, and I agree. You know, me and you, my God, we've been Bubba Ray Dudley. We can name all these people, but but again, um, you know, we all have said stuff, and it's up to that part. We're all men here. We're all grown men, well over the age of twenty-one, well over the age of thirty-one, me over the age of fifty-one. Uh, we have to own what we do. You do it, I do it. I've had to apologize on certain things. Uh, I'm not saying he is or has to. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about myself. Um, you know, I had a meltdown moment myself last year on Patreon where I had to apologize for something I did. Um, again, and uh, you know, that's for each man to decide of themselves. Should I apologize? Should I over-explain myself? Should I say nothing? It's up to the individual. I don't like telling anybody what to do. And Lord knows you know I don't like being told what to do. But uh, check out JD's show tonight. Give him a shot. If you are done with him, that's what fans to decide. But he's not a bad guy in real life. I'll say oh, that much. I, I'll say this. You know, I have been saying since the 90s, if you give it, you got to be able to get it too. And um, I, you know, it's funny because a few people publicly email, private message. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for you. What you're going to say about JD from an Alexa and JD and, you know, this other person and Charlotte and this, this and that. Right. And I wrote back, and I wrote the same response every time. I said, show me your emails, PMs, and messages to all the other shows out there that you requested their thoughts about people wishing death on me for my Sami Zayn rant. Because right. for about 18 hours, I, every couple of minutes, I'm getting hate death threats, this, this, and that. I'm blocking, 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 you know, all this stuff. And nobody, not one person came to my aid. And there's a reason behind that. Stevie Ray. When I had the thing with Stevie Ray, 
and he saw a picture of me from when I was 14 years old, I had a bunch of people running to my aid, a lot of podcasters, you know, Soup, you, everybody else. And I told yeah, everybody, I'm like, look, I got this. I got this. And I know to this day, I think some people would feel like, man, we put our our head out for that person and he and, and DT's like don't I don't want you to do it I got this I got this okay no problem so the next time he's got this and I handled it myself I issued an apology not because of pressure but be, after thinking about it for a while I took it way too personally about the Sami Zayn stuff and right. everything calmed down and the funny thing about it is is I don't have Sami Zayn blocked anymore and I'm not blocked and there is a ton of people who used to have me blocked that do not have me blocked anymore. And it was kind of weird because we got into this conversation, I think, Friday night a little bit on the show. People were asking me about certain people and about 80% of them no longer have me blocked. Because whenever I criticize someone now or make jokes, even with Dana Brooke stuff, when I say that she looks like she's sucking on lemons, stuff like that, or even when I criticize Alexa Bliss's ability, I always start off by saying, look, it's nothing personal. I even with Alexa Bliss and I say, look, it's nothing personal. Check out her backstory. Very inspirational. This, this, and that. Even with the Bellas, you know, I, I always say, I always went out of my way to say, Look, I understand why they're role models for a lot of people and this and that, but I just feel that Nikki Bella, you know, the cameras always have to be shining. Even if she changes her, her silverware, it's just that I always try not to go personal. Now, as far as JD goes, I don't know him personally, but I've talked to him enough that I could tell you, and I don't want to bring politics into this, but I'll say it like this. Do I think Joe Biden is a racist? No. Do I think he said some stupid stuff? Absolutely. Same thing I feel about Trump. Same thing I feel about a lot of people. I am not going to label someone a racist simply because it's the popular thing to do or because I want to vote for this or vote for that. And as far as JD goes, you know, was the comment a little bit over the top? Absolutely. But the thing is, is that number one, the clip is two years old. Number two, he's got a track record of it not being, you know, maliciously sexual or anything like that. You know, I, I talked about it Friday. You know, somebody asked me Friday, like, you know, about the Jim Ross stuff. And I've said this many times over the years, and I don't hide my stuff. I throw it out there. I'm an open book. People realize that now. But my biggest regret of anything I've ever done with hotlines, podcasts, video, audio, whatever it is, was the joke I made about Jim Ross. And for people that don't know it, and I'll tell you it right now, right. about 15 years ago, um, I had made, a, it might have even been a little bit less than 15 years ago, but it was around, I'd say around 06, around that time. Uh, I made a joke, and I don't remember why, but um, what was uh, what was that guy's name in, in Long Island, the, the mechanic, the one that uh, the girl shot his wife? Uh, Butterfuco, Joe Butterf Joey, Joey, Joey Butterfuco, and his wife was Mary Joe Butterfuco. And for those right. that don't know this story, Joey Butterfuco was fooling around. He was like in his thirties, I think, at the time, maybe forty, and he was fooling around with an with a under eighteen girl by the name of Amy Fisher, and it was a huge story here in New York. In fact, I even went to the hotel. Me and my friends went there with girls about two years later to just spend the night. And I remember my friend going up to the counter. I want I want Joey's room. 
And they're like, no, nah, we we give you whatever room you want. Like people, it was it was a huge story here. It was uh, 1992. Yeah, it was 1992. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. about 15 years ago, I had made a joke on one of the shows because Mary Jo Buttafuoco was shot in the face and part of her face was paralyzed. And people were making jokes about Jim Ross's, you know, his face, you know, because he had the Bell's palsy. At that time, we didn't know what he had or why he had it. But somebody was cracking a joke, and I made a, 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 the stupidest joke I've ever made in my life. And I said, you know, maybe we could hook up Jim Ross with uh, Mary Jo Buttafuoco. And it got back to him, and he wrote something on his old JR blog or whatever it was. I don't remember the name of it offhand. And I felt absolutely terrible. And I just separated myself doing a show, being funny. You know, I, I always never thought about the human side of people. And I felt like shit. There was no social media at the time other than message boards or AOL stuff. So I didn't get lambasted by people. Right. I wrote to him privately and I talked to him, and I apologized to him. I told him why I said what I said. I felt terrible about it, and I, I, I apologized on my show. And he accepted my apology, and he forgave me. And he wrote on his blog the following week that he forgave me. And I joked on Friday that, you know, I, I have in my office right now barbecue sauce, ketchup, the chipotle ketchup, mustard, and, and beef jerky that's probably two years expired because every couple of months I just buy a couple of things from his store. And, you know, I would just buy it kind of like out of guilt still to this day, paying, repenting for that absolutely god-awful joke. I regret it to this day, you know, but I know at the time I wasn't trying to be malicious and then he, you know, that's when he said, you know, I got Bell's palsy because I think his father, you know, had a, a stroke or died or something like that. And I'm like, oh, my God. Bell's, Bell's palsy comes from stress. Yeah, it was from stress. Yeah. Any of us can get it, by the way. Any of you guys, no joke. Anybody can get Bell's palsy. Yeah. Anybody. So I apologized to him privately, publicly. He forgave me. And to this day, I will continue to say it is the worst thing that I have ever said you know, I've had people accuse me of saying the N-word for, for 20 years on these shows now, which is not true. No one will ever that. find a clip of no, that. And nah, it's because I never happened. said it. You no know, people, when I when I did the, the stuff for New Jack to get him out of jail, people were trying so hard to convince him that I called him the N-word simply because they just did not like you know, that I helped someone and, you know, thought that, oh, my God, if after what happened with Chris Cash and New Jack, if they could convince New Jack that I called him the N-word, that I'll just, you know, be scared shit and go off the net and disappear forever. So I understand sometimes you say things spur in a moment that you really don't mean it in a malicious way, but it could be interpreted that way. Um, I think, you know, the, the cancel culture I think is terrible. I think yeah. you allow the person to an apo to apologize, and then you allow the person to prove their apology. And as far as JD goes, from what I know of him, the guy is not malicious at all. You know, when he did for Matt Travis and others here at House of Glory, and you know, people personally, there's a lot of people who know him personally and know that this guy is not a bad guy. 
Is he a provocateur on online? Of Absolutely. Of oh, you know, yeah. I I used to be a provocateur also. Now I choose to oh, be. Yeah. In, <laughs> now I'm I'm an evocateur. And if people don't know what that is, look it up. People ask me, oh, what do you what are you considering? I consider myself an evocateur, which is much different. I just think that you know, silencing people, guilting them and shaming them and banishing them. And, you know, there's there's other ways to do it. And the idea of having hundreds, thousands of people, you know, threatening the guy, banning him, banishing. You want to block him? People, block him. You don't want to follow his stuff anymore? Don't follow it. But the idea of this cancer culture that everybody's out with pitchforks and fire and this, this, and that. It, I just keep thinking of the Tessa Blanchard, La Rosa Negra situation. You know, La Rosa Negra thought that Tessa Blanchard said something. Tessa Blanchard denies it. We don't know what the truth is. But since then, Tessa Blanchard has a track record of not doing that. Is Do a lot of people in wrestling think that she's an asshole? Yeah, absolutely. But do a lot of people in wrestling have any track record sense that she's... Maybe she did say it, and maybe she's learned and grown by it. Hogan, he said it. We don't know if he's learned and grown by it. But the idea that off with their heads, pitchforks, you know, cancer culture, you know, to me, I think that's that's that doesn't help it. Because the thing is, is that when Jim, if Jim Ross wouldn't have forgave me, and not only did he forgive me publicly in an email and on the phone, but he wrote it in his blog too. If he wouldn't have forgave me at that time, I don't know if I would have continued jokes about him or if it would continue to have been an asshole. I don't know how I would have reacted, but the fact that he forgave me made me really go soul-searching and thinking and like, man, that's just fucked up. So in my soul, I could never say that. In my soul, I can't say the N-word. In my soul, I have to be who I am. And I think that, you know, sometimes... If, if, if with, with the case with JD, and it may not be the same for every single person, but I think that if people, you know, allowed the person to apologize, see the authenticity if it feels authentic, give the person a chance to prove its authenticity, I think you do a lot more helping into someone's soul than just cancer culture, threaten, curse, this, this, and that. I think sometimes when you do apologize and you do turn the other cheek, then someone turns around and is like, wow, that person apologized to me after what I said. I would just punch myself in the face if I said. And it makes you think like, man, you know, and you learn from it. So that's how I look at it. That's how I look at it. Um, it was a fucked up thing to say. I would never go to that level now. But I have said some outrageous stuff over the years, and I have grown inside, evolved inside, and adapted inside. Sometimes on, uh, online, I'll call some trolls out. Sometimes I'll have fun with some trolls. You want to fuck with me? I'll fuck with you back, you know? And, and that's just the way I am. But I know what's in here, and I think people should give JD a... T now, the funny thing about it is if you see his style with his shows, you know, if this starts coming out more... You know, people may get turned off at his stuff. I don't know. But I think in this case, give the guy a chance to let you see what's in here. And then you make the decision, you know, if he means it 
or if he's just apologizing because of all the backlash, you know, give the guy that chance. And if you still don't like him, still don't forgive him, you know, whether it's somebody in wrestling or not, you know, then then you just you ignore him. You know, that's it. That's how I look at it. But, you know, guilting someone into a massive pressure or depression, there are some people out there that can't handle that level of of hate. That level and and yeah, you know, some people might be like, well, you know, he said it. He's got he made his bed, he's got to lay in it. I get it. But I also feel that, you know, sometimes you gotta, you know, not be the better person, but sometimes you gotta give a person a chance for redemption. You know, just because JD is not in that locker room, you know, doesn't mean that he shouldn't get a chance of redemption. But, you know, I, I try to stay out of this stuff and, you know, that's that's the, that's the best thing. I mean, again, you know, the the whole thing is everybody's got their own way of doing things. We're all grown men. We're all big boys. Everyone's got to account for stuff. And I also don't like the pressure on other podcasters. Condemn him, prop him, support him, tell him to go fuck off. We're, we're all men. We can do. We'll say what we want and do what we want. And don't put other people's shit on other people who had nothing to do with it. I hate that guilt trip bullshit too. By the way, yeah. DT. I, you know, if I'm a friend of somebody, I'll support them. If I see DT needs help, I'll support him. Don't tell me what to do. I'm not saying you, but a fan tell me who I should support. And someone else tell me today, oh, are you going to say anything? I'm like, I don't, even, I don't even work with him, but I'll say something if he's my friend. I'll always back up my friends and stuff, but I'll also tell my friends or my family or my brother when I think you're out of line. I'm sorry, you either listen to me or you don't listen to me. And I expect you to put me in check too when I need to be. And I needed to be on occasion myself. And I'm the oldest one out of all of us here. So I can learn stuff at 51 years old too so so again no one is is without fault here over the years we have all said stupid things but we learn and grow from them i am not the same guy that i am when i started out with you 15 years ago i've changed a lot i'm also a lot older so again um see what he does with his own show take it from there decide yourself but uh again everybody can uh make their own judgments and assessments you know shout out to brandon jones um you know look I, I say one last thing, we'll move on. Yeah, we'll you know, on. I mean, I, I think with all the bullying and stuff like that, and look, as far as the Hanukkah Morsa, I don't want to bring it up again because there's so much that was already talked about. You know, um, Mish did a wonderful segment talking about her background as far as being a mixed race and everything and how it's looked at in, in Japan. But at the yeah. end of the day, you know, it, you don't know what is the final that finally sets something, someone off. And with social media, and I say this, and I'm not saying this about JD. I don't want anybody to try to start anything, but I'll just say this quickly. You know, me, I always speak out against fakes and frauds and phonies online because I've been saying this for about five years, but I've been very much more vocal the last two. There are tons of people on social media who have replaced a real life for social media. They've created a profile. They have uh, portrayed this persona that is not true at all, but because it is so popular and, and, and so widely accepted by people, they start living that fake life. They start convincing themselves they're the person that they claim to be. Some people take it a little bit overboard and they get caught you know, superimposing themselves in front of a picture in France and saying, oh, I went here, I went there, I went there. And at the end of the day, they were just in their basement lying. 
But my point is, is that when people online build a persona and all you know about those people is what they tweet, what they blog, what they podcast, what they are telling you it is, and you don't have any proof of what they're portraying to be, for all you know, that person could be the most unstable, the most depressed, the most desperate person out there, and they come off online as the most popular, coolest do, coolest uh, kid for school, you know, too cool for school, but in actuality, that's the only thing that's keeping them from just totally losing it completely. And the thing is, is that you just because someone does a podcast or doesn't do a podcast or someone comes off popular on online or doesn't come off popular online just because someone has a hundred thousand followers or only has 50, you know, you cannot assume that person mentally can handle, you know, backlash. And if you're talking about bullying people and just shitting on them and calling them out, you know, there's also a form of bullying in cancer culture you know, that woman that was busted in the park, you know, that was on the phone with her dog. I'm sure some of you have seen the video already and she's calling the cops and she's lying to the cops saying that this African-American guy is threatening to hurt her and this, this and that. And it's a disgusting video. It's disgusting. Her name's been revealed. Her job has been revealed. She's a high up executive for a company. Her life is ruined. And, you know, if you watch the video, your immediate re- emotion is, yeah, man, she she deserves to lose it all right now. But you take someone and they're down. Sometimes when you're kicked down, you know, that's when you learn. That's when you realize, you know, this, this mindset is fucked up. But if you yeah. keep kicking and stomping and, you know, doing that extra, and that person ends up blowing their brains out of ODs or does a detergent suicide, you can't turn around and say, well, you know, she 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 did it to herself because of look what she did online. You know, you, you people cannot assume, based on what they see online about someone, that they're the the most solid solid like a like a rock in in the in the, the, the mind and the heart and the soul. I think people need to really be careful about stuff like that. Let's move on from that topic. I think we were going on way too long yeah, anyway. Let's go, so. yeah, let's go raw, raw. Raw tonight. Uh, I guess probably the biggest news that we should talk about, Apollo Crews, the new champion. What do you think? His push is real. Uh, I don't, you know, again, you never say never with anybody. Just like people, oh, Ruby Riot's finished. No one's finished. You said a long time ago, DT, don't let a couple of losses fool you. Everyone can have the art of the comeback. And uh, Paul Cruz might have been in catering for a couple of years, but he's out of catering, and he won a pretty notable title, the U.S. title. He's the champ, and it was a nice moment. He looked emotional. You see that, DT, a little reality there uh, from uh, Paul Cruz. I think he meant it. I think he was probably very probably uh you know at one point frustrated not knowing if you know he was ever going to get out of the prelims dark matches and stuff barely used but real talent in his prime age in his life and he he made it back so and he seems like a good guy everyone says good things about Apollo Crews so uh I'm happy for him uh he's a great athlete and let's see where you can go from here uh you know I was surprised uh he won the title tonight but again you know good thing happened to a good person so let, let's see what he can do it's up to him now to 
to keep it's hard to get over with no crowd but hopefully the people at home are watching him and connecting to him and saying yeah i like this guy i'm 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 glad to see him get a push he was always a talent he just he just was bumped down the card but he's he could be something i'm going to support this guy so good for him you know what just two things everybody uh first off i took a screenshot just now of my settings over here so if that ever happens again i'm going to just mimic the settings so we'll be good with audio first time in about 3 months but uh as far as Apollo Crews goes, um, he's very liked online. He's very liked in the back. It would not surprise me if you see a lot of WWE stars, heel and babyface, who publicly congratulate this guy. Um, you know, it was funny because Sami Zayn, when he got his title, John 414, um, you know, he got some praise online, you know, because it really was his first major title as far as the main roster goes. But Apollo Crews, you know, you, you look at his overall career, you know, when he talks about this being the biggest moment of his career, I don't think he's he's that far off. I think this is, a, you know what, Den? Um, yeah, yeah, it's, I agree with you. You know, for anybody out there, Jody and others, with all due respect, you know, this ain't Black History Month. They gave him the belt because it was his chance now to run with it. Um, yes, it sucks because fans aren't there to give him, you know, the accolades, but the same thing with Drew McIntyre, the same yeah. thing if Drake Maverick ends up staying, you know, we, who knows what's going to happen Wednesday, but you know, right now you don't have fans to soak it in online. So when you see the outpouring of love and support for Apollo Crews online, that's a wonderful thing. And, you know, the guy is uber, you know, talented. Oh yeah, it's a little surprising that it took this long for him to get gold. But if you're going to talk about people, you know, look, we talk about people who you know will say, "Oh, it's my time, it's my time." You know, I deserve this, this, this and that. You know, I think in the case of Apollo Cruz, I think that is very fitting. Um, you don't always deserve something simply because you've been trying for uh, X amount of years. You know, it, it's, it doesn't work that way. But in the case of Apollo Crews, you know, the man obviously has the talent. They give it to him. And it's interesting because I still wonder if this guy is going to turn heel down the line. But you also look at Raw. You don't have a plethora of major baby faces. I mean, Kevin Owens and a few others are baby faces, but they're not your quintessential clean-cut smile for the camera, you know, hug People, maybe not right now with COVID, but, you know, kissing babies. I'm not saying that Apollo Crews is suddenly going to be that person for WWE. But, man, talk about a guy that doesn't have any controversy. Talking about a guy that's well-liked across the board. You know, it, it's about time. It's about time that he got a title. Agreed. So, I, I'm glad he got it. Um, what else did we get today? Oh, you know, we've been saying this for a couple of weeks. Just like with Tamina. You know, this three-way with Charlotte and Braddy Natty, and I think Braddy Natty is still on course to be Braddy Natty. I'm still waiting for fans online to be hashtagging Braddy Natty. I'm, I'm surprised. I give you props for that. And Three and, weeks ago. Yeah, it's three weeks ago, and she was having some problems with TJ on the phone. I think he hung up on her or something. <laughs> he was calling her out for being a brat. TJ's, yeah. not, 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 TJ's not appreciating her behavior. I'm telling you, oh. Braddy Natty. I, it's an easy thing to write. 
You know, and I could I could just picture little kids showing up with signs, Braddy Natty. I could picture in my ears the crowd chanting Braddy Natty and her putting her hands over the ears and getting pissed off. Shut up, shut up, Braddy Natty, Braddy Natty. That's, unfortunately, we don't get that right now. Unless WWE allows the NXT stars to try to act more like fans and not fucking, you know what? I just fucking nailed it. I just nailed it. Just like I nailed it with Braddy Natty, I'll nail it again. What's up? What was the term that they did that time in TNA with the fans that were in attendance that time? Were they TNA producers? What did they call the fans that night? I'm sure someone in the chat remembers, you know, when they had the two directors hit the ring and said, you need to cheer who you cheer and boo who you boo and don't curse. Cast members. Cast members. That's what we had tonight. That did not feel like WWE fans. That felt like WWE cast members. That's what it was. The TNA cast members, If you, I could just picture, not TNA producers, but I could picture Vince and Heyman and the, going out in the ring and saying, look, you know, you're WWE cast members tonight. You know, you cheer the good good guys and the girls. We can't be sexist here. You boo the boo, the, the bad guys and girls. And don't troll and don't do this and don't go into business for yourself. When we say boo, you boo. When we say cheer, you cheer. That's what it felt like. WWE cast members. That's what it felt like. Yeah. And um, we, I want to see. WWE start treating these people at ringside like fans. Let them chant, Braddy Natty, Braddy Natty. Hey, if you even want, let Braddy fucking pull like Shotzi Blackheart from the crowd and beat the fuck out of her in the ring. Go grab someone, you know? I don't know. But anyway, the bottom line is, just like we said with the scenic route for Tamina, you know, that was the, the rest area. You know, you, you, you're you on the road. You know, hey, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to see Bailey versus Sasha Banks. And halfway through the trip, man, I got to take a leak. I got I to gotta go to the bathroom. So what do you do? You pull off the highway and you stop at Pit Stop Tamina. Tamina against Bailey was the pit stop. So you could stretch your legs, maybe buy some donuts, a coffee, you know, take a leak. You know, get fill up with gas, and then you're right back on the road of Bailey versus Sasha Banks. That's what it was with this three-way tonight. That was the pit stop for Nia Jax versus Asuka. There was never any doubt. We've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks that it's going to be Nia Jax is going to be the next in line. Whether it was Asuka as the champ or Becky is the champ, Nia Jax was next in line. Tonight just felt like the pit stop because the inevitable was going to be Nia Jax. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised Wednesday, because Charlotte is supposed to team up with a partner of her choice to take on Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley. I wouldn't be surprised if Charlotte can't find a tag team partner because of how much she is a bitch in char- you know the character. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. she it's a handicap match. Would not surprise yeah. me if it's a handicap match. But what did you think of that match today? Because I thought it was pretty damn good. I thought it was good. It kept my interest. Uh, you know, I thought Charlotte was going to win like she always does. I didn't think Natty was going to win. I knew Natty would take the fall. But I thought it was a pretty good match. I I, I enjoyed it. Um, 
and in the end, it had to be Nia. It was it was a no brainer that uh, Nia was going to win. Uh, Nia missed that leg drop though. That leg drop didn't <laughs> yeah. that, that leg drop didn't connect the way it should have. Uh, it looked like it went over like it went over Charlotte's midsection instead of near her leg. There was no Hogan leg drop. I can tell you right now. So yeah, Nia still kind of botching a little bit, but. Again, uh, that's the match. Nia versus Oscar in two weeks at Backlash. You know, so it's be good. Before we go any further, I want to give a very special shout out. Very happy birthday to Dick Van Klondike, which I know a lot of you out there oh, know yeah. online. And uh, happy birthday to James Mills, longtime listener, 27 oh, yeah. years old. Probably doesn't even know that I know, but I, I, oh. I knew it was your birthday, so a little. Birthday shout out to uh, birthday, Dick James. and James. Dick and James. Dick and James. Dick and James. Yeah. Shout out to our returning patrons and new patrons, Daryl Williams, Darren Gratson, and not the British Bulldog, but the British Bullfrog. Nice. I love it. Um, you know, look, I I do not think Nia Jax is winning this belt yet. Uh, you know, I want people to remember too, and I'm not trying to be wise ass in any way. And I'm not trying to stir anything up in any way. But some people were commenting online today like, wow, Asuka didn't even like put a tribute on her arm or anything for Hanukkah. Or I think people need to remember if I, if I, I could be wrong, but if I'm right, I believe they recorded the this week's Raw last Tuesday. And it was that Tuesday that we learned that Shad's body had been recovered. And I want everybody out there to please go back and look at the first segment tonight between Lana and MVP. When MVP was approached by Lana in the back and he, MVP was playing with his phone and Lana was saying, you know, we need to talk. And he said, there's nothing to talk about. I'm not trying to speculate anything, but when you go back and you look at that, you look at MVP's face closely, and you look at him playing with his phone. I'm not shitting you. It felt like he was texting people right at the time that we all found out, or a few hours later that they found the body of Shad Gaspard. He was very close with him. Go back and look at MVP's face. He looked like that he had was just crying. It looked like he was, I'm telling you, I'm not kidding. Go back but and watch it. it. That's what I was filmed felt with. Oh, wasn't it filmed today, this afternoon? No, I don't think it was filmed today. I think it was last week. I think last week they filmed last week because Money in the Bank was the week before. And they the Sunday, uh, not last Sunday, the Sunday before. So the day after Money in the Bank, they recorded Raw and I think the following week. All right, all right. Stephen Murphy says it was recorded this afternoon. All right, so oh, maybe that's, it what was, not, that's what people are telling me too. I don't know. All right, if it was recorded this afternoon... Then I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I'm a little surprised that, you know, they didn't even put on, an, you know, look, you can't force anybody, but. Well, they had a, they had a thing for sure. Well, you know what? Yeah. I'll say this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe the backstage segment with MVP earlier in the night, I, I don't know what was pre-recorded and what wasn't, but then again, he came out and he got the claim more to the face. So yeah. unless he was wearing the same thing, who knows? Maybe some of these backstage segments were, were recorded last week. It's it's po it's possible. I mean, they recorded. The guys are saying online that they recorded SmackDown today as well. Um, I guess uh, again, I'm not too clear on that. This is what I'm seeing. Um, 
but they did have a um, one of those uh, things on Shad. Usually, they have at the beginning of the show. They had it in the middle of Raw tonight. Like uh, I don't know. It just break. if you go back and you watch the segment, that's the feeling I got. You look at MVP seriously, and you look at him. And I'm not. And I know I wasn't imagining it. If you look at that first segment, and he's looking down on his phone and he's texting someone, you look at his face, you look at his reaction, you look at his eyes. It looked like he was very emotional, and it felt it felt like something like that. I, I don't know. It just that's the way it came off to me. And I'm saying it as a sweet thing. I'm not you know to Nick Art, whatever your name is. You know, I'm not saying it to try to you know uh, clickbait or anything like that. That's the feeling it came off to me, in my opinion. It's an opinion. Yeah. Um, also, uh, we had. You know, those god-awful segments with um, the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits. First, they're playing oh. golf. They get kicked off the golf course. Then they play miniature golf. Mm-hmm. I, I, The only thing I could think of is what we've been saying since that fucking car ride. When they're in the car and they're doing jingles and stuff like that, WWE wants them to be cartoon characters online. Bushwhackers. Yeah, it feels like they're going the same direction with, like, Braun Strowman a little bit. Like, kid-friendly, you know, goofy, having fun, this, this, and that. And I don't, uh, you know, I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I uh, like correct. it. I, I, don't, I don't know the history of them as much as I know the history of the Bushwhackers as the Sheep Artists. But weren't they as War Machine, like a brutal fucking team in Japan? Like, they were, like, fucking, the, they were, like, hardcore. I mean, they really turned them into cartoon characters now. And again, DT, what I wouldn't mind is if the segments were funny. If they were funny, like the Mr. Perfect Genius segments, when they would do outside skits or stuff. Again, we mentioned it last week, Steve Blackman and Al Snow. If it were funny, I would enjoy I would love it. I would embrace it. But it's just not funny. I, it's just not funny. You know, Street Profits are, are, are good at what they do. Um, but the, the war Raiders in this gimmick, it's just, it's not, if it was funny, that's, that would be different, but it just, it's pointless. And are they going to keep doing this? Is this a weekly thing they're going to keep doing? I don't know. I don't know. What are they supposed to do next week? Uh, bowling? Oh, bowling. Yeah. Bowling next week. Oh, I can only imagine what that's going to be. You know, what's funny though. All right. You know what? Nick art, you know, look, I, I, I like when Nick gives me a little abuse, you know, I'm not one of these people that like to be beat up by people, but I don't mind the, the verbal abuse once in a while when deserving, but can I come up with a little scenario? Um, sure. sure. All right. You know what? Here's when Nick could, could actually type that maybe I've been in the house too long. Follow me with this. I just, I'm trying to make logic out of these skits. Here's the only thing I can think of, and it's probably wacky, but hey, I'm just trying to think outside the box. Uh, three weeks ago, we had them in the car together by themselves singing, whatever, doing their jingles. Then we had them play basketball two on two, no one else around. Right. Then we had them, uh, doing the ax thing or whatever. Um, and you look at the number of people that were around. Then they did golf. Then they did miniature golf. Next week, they do bowling. Does this correlate with what's going on in the country of reopening things? Because three, four weeks ago, really the only thing you could do is just drive in your car. 
then you were able to maybe have a little bit of one-on-one hoops because, hey, they had on TV some people playing, you know, that, that, po- that point thing or whatever. Then you're allowed to go on the golf course. Then you're allowed to go to this. Now you're allowed to go bowling again. Is it possible? I'm, again, I'm just brainstorming here. Is it possible that these skits are kind of like a play on what is allowed to be brought back with COVID? It could be. I mean, it could be. I mean, again, but it's in Florida, and Florida has loosened the restrictions more than, say, here in the Northeast. Right, but the overall country, it's like in a lot of areas, okay, you know, a couple of weeks ago you could return, you know, to golf, and a lot of people were bitching like, hey, I, you know, there's so many other things going on. Why do people need to golf? But, you know, they let people ride their own golf cart and this, this, and that. Then it was, okay, people can go bowling. Bowling right. was something in a lot of states that just returned. They're going to let every other alley stay lit. And I'm wondering if these skits are designed to to correlate with what's being al- allowed back in our country. It's possible. I mean, again, that's it's a good observation. It's possible. Uh, we don't know. Again, I, uh, my opinion, yeah, possible. They might be doing that again uh, as as. as WWE kind of echoes uh, modern society in a lot of ways or news events or current events, things that are going on, even though it took them a while and they never actually said coronavirus. It never did even at WrestleMania, no, no. but, but uh, they won't say virus or illness or sickness. No, uh, they'll, they'll say precautions and, uh, you know, uh, protection. Um, but yeah, that's a good observation. DT. I, I, again, we don't have any, you know, facts that that's the case, but that could be the case. Yeah. The reason why I don't think they play Wii Sports is because it's you know, they probably have to get permission to even put, you know, it's why TV shows, you never see sometimes brand names on cereal boxes or sodas. They got to pay royalties for it. WWE doesn't like paying royalties, I think. So that's the, the, why, you know, that's happened. But uh, yep. what else do we get today? Well, we had the Street Profits taking on MVP and Lashley, which was really just to set up Lashley versus uh, Drew, Drew McIntyre at Backlash. They had a, a brawl and then a schmaz, as we call it, took place with yeah. the development coming in to try and break it up. Yeah, uh, those two was... sorry bastards. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> We're going to hard way throw you out of the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then everybody jumped in there. Uh, saw a couple of notable guys that are in developmental, but uh, nothing really to it. I mean, obviously, Drew and Lashley throw them around. Uh, but bouncing a little bit backwards, uh, Iconics. Uh, we're on tonight. Oh, good Lord, the Iconics. You know, uh, <laughs> and you know what? I was saying a moment to piss, you oh, know, man. and I thought that was lighthearted funny, but after seeing the stuff with JD, I'm like, okay, I got to change this a little bit. So now I, you know, to be a little bit more politically correct, from now on, it is no longer a, a, an, an, an iconic moment to piss. Now it's an iconic moment to miss. That's how I treat the segment today. Um, I have no interest in this feud. Um, you know, it's it's just I have no interest in this feud. Let them fight at Backlash. Let them do whatever they want to do. You know, Nikki Cross, I understand why people absolutely loved the promo that she cut today. Talking about how she came from Scotland and she had nothing and she knew no one and this, is and that and oh, very, very passionate and this, is and that. 
And as I'm listening to this and I'm looking at social media and how she, oh, they're so passionate and she came from nothing, she knew nobody, blah, 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 blah. And I'm saying to myself, for a husband, for God's sakes. I'm saying to myself, oh, wasn't that the same thing Becky Lynch said two weeks ago when she got announced a pregnancy? Now I sound Texas. Didn't Dolph Ziggler do that a couple of years ago? I mean, it, it was yeah, passionate, it was real, but my God, you know, it felt like a baseball game now batting for Becky Lynch, you know, uh, uh, Nikki Cross. It was the same fucking thing when she said that she, she announced a pregnancy. I came to this country with nothing. I came knowing nobody. And now we're going to do that's like, a, that's like a combination of Cheech and Chong. I don't even know what you're doing I, anymore. And oh any new God. listeners, I am a big fan of Nikki Cross. <laughs> I've been saying Nikki Cross reminded me Daphne from the day she came to the main <laughs> roster. You know? But um, oh that's what it felt like. It, it, it felt like, okay... You know, oh, it was so passionate with Becky. Let's do it again. Oh, I came from Scotland with nobody and nothing. And yeah, WWE, look where I am now. That's why I think so you're, you're drifting from Scottish accent into Mexican. Yeah, it's like <laughs> a Mexican know, Texas I don't know how you Scott. Do that. Scott. <laughs> it's a Texas Mexican oh Scott. It's God. an illegal Mexican from, from Scotland that now resides in Texas. Oh, Lord. Yeah, look, I, I like the promo is passionate, but you know, I've heard it before. You know? If you think of the roster, seriously, if you think of the roster, there's about nineteen people that could go out there and say, I came from Australia with nothing and nobody and I did da 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 and, you know, they can say, I came from India. Or, you know, I can't, no, I can't do those voices because, be, you know, it's funny. I do the Scottish voice. And everybody writes LOL emojis and this, this and that. If I would have done a voice from India, you fucking racist. You motherfucking <laughs> cocksucker. Oh, That's unbelievable. Selective racism. Oh, you, you, oh, my God. you very bad people out there. But seriously, there's like 19 people that could say that. You know, and then you got Liv Morgan now that... I don't know what this is. Is this like Dear Abby? You know, like... Oh, she's like... Uh, remember Chad? Remember when uh, Headbanger, what was it, Mosh, uh, came out as Chad, and he had the girl, and he's just a kid from New Jersey? He's just being himself. That lasted about three weeks until they put him in a genie outfit with D'Lo Brown as a tag team. Uh, I don't know what they're doing with Liv Morgan. She keeps telling us who she is or, you know, was never this or that, or isolated. Aren't we all... Don't we all I, feel that way? I think this is the live life storyline she doesn't even know her own self though dt she's right. coming off like mixing confusing the fuck out of all of right but i think in the end it's you know look you know she she's young and naive and she makes mistakes and she's this but this is her dream <sighs> and in the end you know you might not know where you're going you might fall down you might get up you know this and that but in the end Live life. That's what if that's where I think it's going. I think it's, you know, look, when she praises her mother and she talks about when she was five and she's seven and she's smiling, this is the Sonia Deville. This is the Sonia Deville stuff. I said this a week ago that if Oscar's the MVP for the empty arenas, the COVID era, then I think Sonia Deville might be a num the number two for WWE. And ever since Sonya Deville was putting real life emotion and and passion in her pro promos, feuding with uh, with Mandy Rose, now it feels like okay. Now they're doing that with 
Liv Morgan. Now they're doing that with Nikki Cross. Now they're doing that with with someone else. So I think they're trying to interject <coughs> personal me. stories. Because if she starts thinking about her mother, she might legit get teary-eyed. Sonia Deville, when she cut a promo last week, and I brought this up on last Friday's show, she was so into it that I thought she was going to cry. Some people get so passionate saying something, they start crying, and they're not crying because they're sad. They're crying because of the just the emotion. And I think that's what they're doing with the Liv Morgan stuff. You bring up stuff from your childhood because then it resonates and it feels more, more realistic. And sometimes when you're talking about your real-life self, it becomes much more uh, easy and smooth my God, I always put over Eddie Kingston's pro promos for years and years. And, you know, you see some of the stuff he does in NWA. People don't realize he's been doing that for forever. But a lot of the stuff he says is true. So when you can actually pull from your real life experiences, it's easier to tell it. I just think we have to wait till an audience comes back. Cause, and, I, and again, and I say this as an older guy, Liv Morgan character is not for me not for uh, middle-aged fans not for older guys it's for younger kids and teenage boys and stuff like that so again maybe i'm not supposed to get it but i'm i know wrestling and i don't think you know i i what i don't get what she's trying to do i would get it if she's trying to connect to a certain base of audience but i think she's just all over the road with these segments i think it's for the younger people out there that don't have oh, a career yeah. they don't they don't have a career lined up with COVID, because they won't name it by name, because there's so much unknown, because of people who graduated and don't even know if they, they could even get a job right away, and there's so many young people out there with no direction and not sure of their future, it, yeah, it kind of might be a little bit of a stretch, but th this character might be a way to identify with some women or and men who are in that same boat that no matter what, you live life. I know it sounds way deep, everybody. Um, Nick Art might think, you know, I'm, I'm in my house a little too much for thinking that, but I think that's what where this is going. <laughs> I don't think this is, you know, her to turn into psycho bitch. I think this is pulling on real life. And I think this this these promos are a lot more real to her than character. I think she was better off with the blue tongue and looking like Holly Quinn from... Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, KM Truth, I got that hand on Amazon. You can get on Amazon. There's, there's tons of them. If you want the specific link, let me know on Twitter and I'll post the, the link for it. They, they got some cool stuff. They got glasses that do that too. You know, I just, I didn't want to go overboard. But, uh, by the way, those on YouTube, if you're enjoying the episode, you know, if you hit the like button. Sorry about the audio earlier. You know, look, I don't know where that came from. I don't know why it happened. I, I know why it happened, but, you know, like I said, I got a little screenshot now, so if that happens again, I reset it, change two settings, fixed 10 seconds. First time in three months, so cut me a little slack. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, Alberto Caillo. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. You Murphy think he's going to wear uh, the eye patch? Oh, God, I hope not. Uh, Murphy and Austin Theory. What do you think of Theory now with Rollins and out of that uh, – Three Amigos group. Now he's uh, with uh, Seth Rollins, dressing differently. He's one of the disciples. Do you think uh, him and Murphy make a good team? Well, you remember when Seth Rollins had uh, the, uh, the 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 guys? What were their names? Um, Jamie Noble and uh, was it Joey Matthews? 
Kid Cashman? No, the wasn't ja- when when he had when he was with the Authority, Seth Rollins. He had Jamie Noble. Oh, uh, Jamie Noble and uh, Joey Mercury. The yeah, Joey Mercury. I said Joey yeah. Matthews, but mm-hmm. uh, Joey Mercury, and Jamie Noble. There was Johnny uh, Johnny's uh, Johnny's Eminem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. um, it kind of feels awesome. not necessarily J and J security, but it feels like WWE has this fascination of Seth being a leader of two people, not one, not three, not five, but two. It was J&J, it was The Shield, even though he wasn't the leader technically, but it was J&J Security, it was The Shield, it was AOP, and now it's, you know, Austin Theory and Murphy. Don't call me buddy. Um, You know what? There's a fabulous Sports Illustrated interview that just came out with Seth Rollins, and he gives a lot of props to Austin Theory, and Austin Theory is only 22 years old, so... You know, they he likes the idea of having it with him. Sure, of course, he's going to say that publicly. He's not going to tell Sports Illustrated, you know, I don't know what fucked up WWE's thinking by doing this. You know, they're out in their minds. Of course, he's going to praise it. But, you know, I, I don't mind it. It felt very random that why wouldn't Austin Theory, like, come out there and insist on trying to beat the fuck of Andrade or Angel Garza and maybe Seth Rollins stops him in the back and that is your past, let it go, you're with me, I will take care of you, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you have Austin Theory, you know, it just felt like no revenge. Again, it's like Baron Corbin took on Drew McIntyre and Alistair Black's in the building. The motherfucker almost killed you in storyline the day before. He almost threw you off a building. You don't go out there to try to, or or the week before, you don't go out there to try to beat the shit out in storyline. How does he just hang out in the back while the guy that almost threw him off a building is wrestling, you know, the same thing with Austin Theory. You're part of this group for quite a while. You wrestled at Mania. They kicked the fuck out of you. And... You you no show no revenge no no anger no nothing you know yeah. they should have showed something where he wanted to go out there and Seth puts his hand on his shoulder or something you know you know trust me let it go that is your past you're with me now I will take care of you it just felt a little random but I don't mind it but again WWE wants two people to do his dirty work not one. And uh, this retirement thing with Rey Mysterio, I don't buy it at all. I don't buy it at all. That's a setup. That's a setup. It's a week before, uh, a week and a half before backlash, or whatever it is. I think that's a setup. Two weeks. Uh, yeah. Did they say tonight a week from Sunday? A couple of times. I could have sworn they said a week oh, from no, it's, Sunday. It's, it's two weeks. From it's yesterday. two weeks from Sunday. Yeah. I could have sworn I heard t- Mouthfuck Tom say one. You know, a week from this Sunday. No, I don't. I don't remember. I could be wrong. I mean, it's, it's basically it's two weeks. It's two weeks from yesterday. Yeah, it's two weeks. Two weeks. So I think it's a setup next week. I wouldn't be surprised if Rey Mysterio takes on Seth Rollins. Um, it would be funny if Rey's wearing a patch and Cardillo's wearing a patch. So I don't know. <laughs> you know, Cardillo is funny because they have his head against the barricade, threatening to shove his eye into it. And apparently, when you're scared shit. You, you don't make any sound because they have his eye next to it. Instead of, like, yelling and screaming, you know, listen to them. No, no, stop. He's just there with his mouth going. Oh, Lord. I mean, what is that? You know, that's the that's the, empty, the, the, the full arena syndrome. 
Some of these people forget that there's virtually nobody at ringside. So maybe when you have 5,000 people in the arena and the announcers are yelling and, you know, people are screaming and this, this, and that, you know, you show those facial things, but he, what did they do? Did they ram the barricade into his throat first? He's just standing there. He's making those sounds. I'm like, whine like a bitch. You know, scream, beg, yell, please, no, no. If you don't understand English, no, no. That's how you say it in Espanol. You know, he just did, just with his face, just like with these reactions. I'm like, do you fucking realize there's only 10 people, 20 people in the crowd? Let, let's hear you fucking beg. Let me fucking grab you and threaten to poke your eye out with something and see. You see, you, you just yelling at. I thought that was terrible. God awful. Whoever is in the back, seriously, you know, step on his foot. Ser seriously, when he, after he showers, before he's put his boots on, go up to him. Even if it's him and say, yo, Umberto, great job today. Step on his foot. And when he fucking screams at the top of his lungs, then you say, that's what you're supposed to do when somebody's about to ram your eye into the guardrail. You don't stand there like a goddamn mute and just go. That's what I would have done. And I'm a big fan of Caillo. I'm the one that fucking, you know, prop, gave props for his debut and everybody was making fun of his capes and stuff like that. Yeah, it was so stupid, man. That was just awful. That was just yeah. awful. And I'm a stickler for little detail and stuff like that. And I just thought that was awful. That that was careless. And uh, yeah. it, just for punishment, I make him wear the eye patch. <laughs> I break do it to the other eye and let him come out with the, both eye patches. Let him let oh. him walk out there and he can't see nothing. Let him bump into walls and stuff like that. That was stupid, man. In my opinion, very stupid. So, uh, let's see what else are we forgetting today? We uh, uh, um, ah, they got Edge. back to the twenty four seven title, Gronk. Oh, uh, yeah. oh, truth. You know, look. That 24-7 title has always been comedic and joke. This guy signed to a fucking football team. They're about to start training camp. You know, these pre-recorded promos and this, this, and that, you know, I, I'm I'm over at Gronk already. I'm sure WWE had no idea that he was going to sign with a football team and they expected to do a lot more with him. But, you know, I don't I don't know why... They're stretching this out the way that they do. I, I mean, the only thing I could think of is, you know, get some a little bit of publicity in the sports wire. But, yeah. you know, it, speaking of publicity in sports, I thought it was fucking hilarious today. Did you did you see what was on NBC tonight? No, it was on. The the Rocks um, show, uh, the uh, Titan Games, the Titan Games. Nah, no, I never seen it. I didn't see the last season. I, I, I saw one episode. I try, to, I try to watch stuff with The Rock, but I didn't see that. It's not bad, but I found it hilarious because The Rock, early today, was writing on social media how sports are back. Tune in Monday for sports. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh, man, that's fucking hilarious because, you know, Raw's on Monday, and he's writing in capital letters, sports are back, and this, this, and that, and oh, man, it was funny. I mean, I don't blame him for hyping it up. It's the return, second season. You know, it's now head-to-head -head with Raw for the first two hours, um, but it was funny. If you And The Rock was so active on social media tonight talking about this, the, the return of this. Um, now, for anybody that's going to ask, last year... Um, 
you know, maybe you blame NXT and AEW for this, but last year, you know, Titan Games, the first season was on Wednesdays. You're not going to put it on Wednesdays now against AEW and NXT. NXT will have fucking 340,000 viewers, you know, if yeah. that happens. So they they didn't want to do it on Tuesday and Thursday or Friday because of the lineup. So they went with Mondays. So now you have the Titan Games for the next, I guess, two months going head-to-head with Raw for two out of the three hours. Who's trolling? Let me know who's trolling so I can uh, let the person go. You know, it's funny. I don't see any trolls. I don't see any trolls. Somebody uh, took, took the Memorial Day off. No, nah, you know, you know what? Memorial Day. You know, I wrote this on social media earlier. Nice, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, intro with Ronald Reagan and the quotes. Are very, very nice. Yeah. Um, no, I'm looking. I don't see anybody trolling. I think the, people are trolling by saying people are trolling, but they're not really trolling. So, but uh, Memorial like Day, opening. it was a beautiful like the opening. opening. They showed it on Friday because it was Memorial Day weekend, I guess. Right. Um, yeah, it was it was wonderful. I you know I got to say this, and I don't like comparing the two, but I loved how AEW really paid tribute to the first responders. Me. You know, I did a little of both today. You know, not only all of our military that, you know, paid the ultimate price for our freedoms, but I also was thinking about all the first responders today who and, and people out there who died because of this COVID stuff. So, you know, God bless our military and God bless all the first responders that, um, that all died because of this. So, you know, it, it was a beautiful opening, absolutely. Um, trying to think what else. Uh, oh, the Edge Edge promo. The Edge promo. Yeah, the Edge promo. Um, yeah, I liked it. You know, he's he's talking about how many days, and I actually wrote it down, how many days uh, it was. I got it over here. Uh, where is it? I'm trying to see. I'm, oh, he was retired for 3,212 days. And during that time, Randy Orton, and this is kind of surprising if you actually add it up. Randy Orton in 3,212 days that Edge was retired, Randy Orton had 1,126 matches. 90% of them against Sheamus that I added. (laughs) People seem to forget. Oh, my God. Groundhog Day. I mean, it was only a matter of time that Randy Orton and Sheamus was going to get the wave from the crowd, people that don't remember that, go go watch it on YouTube. Fucking beautiful. But uh, that was an awfully lot, lot of matches. That's like a match every three days for Randy Orton. And especially that he's not had a full-time schedule for quite some time. And believe it or not, I actually did some quick research, and I think Edge was actually accurate on those numbers. I think he might have been off by like two or three days. But he was pretty much on point. Yeah. So, um, but I, I liked it. I liked it. I don't know why they really had to do this greatest wrestling match of all time. Like, like I thought about it and I'm like, all right, you know, I remember a show on Fox sports. I think it was called the best damn sports show period. Was it the best damn sports show period? Maybe not, but it was still, you know, in their eyes, a pretty damn good sports show. But why two guys at you know the, the you know towards the end of their career? Why do you put the pressure on them? 
of the greatest wrestling match of all time because you're just inviting people that if this match sucks or if it performs less than stellar, then you're just feeding it, uh, you know, ammunition to people like greatest wrestling match. It, it will never be the greatest wrestling match of all time, you know, because everybody out there, their fandom hood throughout the years, they have their favorites. You know, you think of, you know, Steamboat Savage, Steamboat Flair, Funk Flair. You could think of so many, Angle and fill in the blank. Yeah. But I think that's an unnecessary amount of pressure. You know, it almost feels like when Vince hyped up that he was going to be wrestling God. Like, I think people are now, I mean, look, I, I like that Edge is back. I like that he's having another match. But there's going to be enough people out there that are going to be sitting there like this saying, okay, let me see the greatest wrestling match of all time. And they're going to take it literally, and they're going to use that to rip them apart, That's in my true. opinion. Huh. So, I don't know, but I like that just promo today. Um, it made sense. And that's why I, I really, I'm fine with them feuding still. I still think it should have been the opposite. You know, when, when they came back, Edge was looking for Randy Orton. It should have been the opposite. Randy Orton lost at Mania. Randy Orton should have been calling out Edge. I don't know why they got that ass backwards, but, you know, we're a couple of weeks removed from that, so I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, and then they had Ric Flair come on later in the show, and then he picked Orton over Edge as the better wrestler and whatever that meaningless promo was. I know they re they just re-signed Ric Flair, I guess, right? Didn't they? Yeah, yeah. They re-signed him for a few years. I guess Ric Flair might even finish out his his years, so to speak, in uh, with WWE. I don't think he was going anywhere as an ambassador or whatever. But, uh, yeah, he picked Orton over uh, Edge, which didn't surprise, you know, part of evolution. Yeah, the other match that we had tonight, we had uh... – Kevin Owens losing losing his match to Hector Garza. Yeah. You know, look, they set it up early by having Hector Garza nail him in the leg. You know, cheap shot, sneak attack, kind of set up, you know, the finish of the match. Um, Kevin Owens loses nothing with this loss. This is kind of like to show the Angel Garza. And, and honestly, to be honest with you, with Andrade losing the belt today, you see an inner feud between Hector Garza and Andrade. So if Andrade loses today, it only makes sense for Hector Garza to win because now Hector Garza next week could rub it in Andrade's face that, hey, I won, you lost. You know, and this yeah. leads to fisticuffs and they'll probably fight each other at Backlash. So. Yeah, it's obviously setting it up. Yeah. Um, and I like, you know, even Angel Garza talking to, uh, Kyla Braxton, basically comparing wrestling <laughs> to sex and this, this and that. I, and even she kind of like is falling under the spell of Angel Garza. He's the um, Lothario, the, the Latin Lothario. Yeah. So, you know, I was surprised how many people did not like that he beat Kevin Owens. I mean, Kevin Owens loses nothing. In this and the sneak attack, you know, his leg gave out on him. All right, that's the reason why he lost. No harm done. Kevin Owens ain't getting buried. I see nothing wrong with that at all. No, again, these losses are again. That's like people tell me, oh, your girl Ruby Riot's finished. I'm like, she's not finished. You can always, they can always. These things just they again. Apollo Cruz was he finished? Look what happened to him two years ago. He was the same thing. 
Nobody's finished till they're actually till they're actually finished. Well, EC three was finished from the time he uh, walked yeah. in the door. Yeah. But other than that, everybody gets a second chance. Yeah. By the way, if anybody didn't check it out yet, I did the AEW Double or Nothing pay per view recap Saturday, uh, two and a half hours, very very in depth. On uh, the main event, it had a ball recapping that. This Wednesday on Dynamite, Mike Tyson will be back. Um, I still feel, and I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, that they should have had Tyson present the AEW uh, TNT Championship to the winner on Dynamite, not on the pay-per-view. And there's a little controversy with this title right now because of the current look of it. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, a lot of people are bitching, saying, oh, my God, it looks like a piece of nickel. It you know, we're in the middle of COVID, and unfortunately, belt makers are not essential companies. They had the belt done enough where they wanted to put the tournament on during COVID. Um, you know, the, some people have been very creative and put up variations of how they think the belt should look like. I put one up just now. Of all the pictures of the variations that have been put out there, I kind of like the variation I have up right now that has a little bit of gold in it as well. But people need to remember, like when you look at the middle of the title, all right, I know people want to put like little like uh, stones in it and making really awesome designs. I think people need to stop and remember that this is a title for a television network. Right. This is not the IC title or the U.S. title. You know, it, this is, I wouldn't even sort of consider this a secondary title. To me, this is more of like a novelty title, you know, right. for for TNT because of the relationship they have with AEW. And I have no problem with this title whatsoever. They add a little bit more color to it. I think that will be good enough. But I think people need to stop and remember, we're in the middle of covid you know, unfortunately, companies are closed. And, you know, as I said on Saturday, I kind of like that it's unfinished. Because when we go back and we look at the belt at this stage, oh, that's when COVID, you know, was still fucking everybody up and keeping everybody closed. So when the belt is finally done and it looks a little bit nicer, that reflects like things back to normal. So I actually had no problem with that whatsoever. So cool. you saw the belt? Yeah, I saw the belt. What'd yeah, you think? I mean, the, I, well, I knew it wasn't completed, so that's why I didn't even I didn't comment on yeah, it. I didn't even. That was the right way comment. to go. Yeah, but I, I think it's okay. You know, look, you know, not everybody likes that belt. Not everybody likes the idea of the belt. It appeases the TNT network. They're doing a lot for AEW, whether people like it or not. So, giving them a little bit of a title as a novelty, I compare it to the Saudi Arabia with the cup. Or the trophy, you know, the, the greatest Royal Rumble ever, you know, the greatest battle royal ever, you know, was it? No, but that was to please the Saudi prince and make them feel like we've got the greatest Royal Rumble ever. We've had Royal Rumble 30 years, but this will be greatest, greatest. <laughs> so you kiss ass to the people that are putting money in your pocket. I have no problem with that. So... Uh, what do you think about the uh, the final four in the uh, tournament for the Intercontinental Championship? We have Daniel Bryan versus Jeff Hardy this Thursday, uh, Friday, and we have Elias versus AJ Styles this Friday. Who do you think is going in the finals? Uh, I want to see Jeff Hardy versus Elias. Really? Wow. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, though. 
I think it's going to be Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. Uh, it's too that's a too backlash. Typical, typical though. I'd like to see Jeff Hardy get some gold again. Uh, what did you think of him losing to Sheamus Friday? I mean, what do you think uh, of Sheamus losing to Jeff Hardy Friday? What do you mean, Sheamus? Yeah, I mean, uh, Jeff Hardy's a star. You know, he is. They, they can still get some mileage out of him. He's got a good fan base. I know there's no fans right now in attendance, but, you know, in general, Jeff Hardy uh, has male fans, kid fans, girl fans. Uh, Sheamus does not. So I, I would go with, you know, for business, I'd go with Jeff Hardy. Much more marketable. Sheamus was never marketable. He just never was. He's a big bruiser, big plotting, bruising guy. You know, uh, good good punches to the back, good bro kick. Other than that, I never thought much of Sheamus. Um, Jeff Hardy's marketable, and he's still young enough. And if Matt is getting pushed over there, Matt's a couple years older than Jeff. Jeff's always been the bigger star. I don't care what anybody says. Jeff has been the bigger star, still is the bigger star. And if they push him to the top, he'll be fine. But they got to be able to trust him. That's the problem. they got to be able to trust Jeff's not going to have any more episodes. Uh, this is it for Jeff. They can, you can get one last hurrah in the WWE, and I think this is the time is now. Yeah. I um, I don't know. I mean, they put a lot of pressure on Jeff. Well, you know, I shouldn't say they put a lot of pressure on him because as of right now, he's clean and sober. So, yeah. you know, they put a little extra pressure on him to remain that way because Jeff Hardy realizes, especially now with a family, that if he does fall under the wagon, after making this so public on television that he embarrasses himself. Now, luckily, yeah. he can't go to any bars right now. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that kind of helps a little bit as well. But um, I, I don't mind this last run idea for Jeff Hardy. Um, you know, I don't know if Jeff Hardy is right at the very end of his career. Uh, I don't know where this storyline will go. I'm very curious to see where it goes. Just as I'm very curious to see what happens Wednesday with Drake Maverick. You know, I, I have been talking about a storyline now. I've said this three weeks in a row that I thought that, and people will remember this. I said three or four weeks ago that Maverick, Atlas, and Kushida could very well end up having the same record and be a three-way. And even though a lot of people think Jake Atlas is extremely bland, and he is, but he is talented, I said, wouldn't that be something if they go to a three-way in a final and Jake Atlas, in the very end, who acts like Drake Maverick's friend, screws him, and Drake Maverick is out of a WWE contract because of Jake Atlas, and that makes Jake Atlas appear as the biggest scumbag you know, in NXT right now. I know that kind of sounds like a hell of a lot of weight to give to Jake Atlas, but that was my scenario three weeks ago. I'm fascinated to see what happens Wednesday with this three-way. Yeah, so we go. I want to see that. Um, trying to think what else. Uh, you know what? Since you, you have like another 15, 20 minutes to kill? Sure. Yeah. All right. So you know what? Because there's crazy amount of people tuning in right now. And somebody wrote that JD earlier was crying. I don't know if it was troll. I don't know if it was real. Um, you know, doesn't change what we said earlier. You know, no. you know, I don't condone what was said, but it was clear that you know we defend JD that he is uh, you know might come off you know jerky sometimes on doing his shows, but you know from the people that I have talked to. You know, I don't want to name any names because I don't want anybody to get, you know, singled out or, you know, focus of attention.
but people that are in and around House of Glory and wrestlers that are on TV as well. I've talked to a handful of people for the last year about JD because there was quite a while that I did not like JD at all. And he knows, and I've told him privately that, you know, I truly turned, you know, to turned it around. I did a 180 about his shows. I understand it. And at the end of the day, he wants wrestling to be really good. It's unfortunate what happened. Hopefully everybody grows from this. And anybody out there that's that, you know, it's been holding in excitement to get revenge on people because of some of the things they've said, I think that it that just makes you almost as bad, to be honest with yeah, you. I agree with that. You know, yeah. it's almost like what Lance Storm said, you know, yeah, there's some big assholes out there. I'm not saying JD is, but there's some big assholes out there. And if you're going to start hashtagging people and this and that, and you're just trying to rat on them because you want to see people getting nailed to the cross, you're just as bad as them because you're just trying to provoke shit. So I just hope everybody could move on. And, you know, just that's why, you know, the little things. And look, I'm not an AEW dick sucker, as a lot of people like to say. <laughs> I criticized the Darby Allen spot. I criticized Penelope Ford's work Saturday. I criticized the Sean Spears stuff. It looked like a dick. When he got pinned, seriously, everybody go back and watch it. It looked like his dick was hanging out, even though it wasn't. But just, just the perception of that, I just thought it was just dumb. So I criticized him enough. But I love the fact that they just come right out there and just say, look, you know, can everybody just be a little bit nicer? You know, and that's the difference. And, they, and WWE proved me right for the last 24 hours. I wrote this late Saturday night. Saturday night. I said, here's what we're going to see in the next 24 hours. This is the difference, even though it's, sm it's small, but to me it's a big difference. This is the difference between AEW, about reality, and WWE. WWE... Unless it's a documentary or unless it's pre-recorded or unless it's, you know, something, you know, that Triple H could come out and say something, you know, it, it like their mindset is, oh, let's sweep tragedy under the rug. Unless, unless you could change the ropes and make lights pink or blue or put a cause coming down the rampway and logos. But it's like COVID, they come across like, we want to be the, I have talked about this before. We want to be the emotional band-aid. When you watch us, we don't want you to think of COVID. So they come off on TV like COVID doesn't even exist. You could see because of the empty arena that COVID is, is existing, but we don't talk about it. We prefer you not to think about it when you're watching us. AEW, though, though I sound like I'm a fud. AEW, though, wants fans to confront, learn, and grow. And with the Hanukkah suicide, I don't care that she never wrestled for WWE. She, you know, it, the bottom line is, is that bullying is, is absolutely terrible. It's toxic, especially when everybody is home. You have no escape. You can't even fucking go out and do some of the things. But AEW with COVID, you know, with, with, um, with the Kimura suicide, they just bring it out there because they want people to confront, learn, and maybe grow from it. WWE, they want you to forget and throw it under the rug. 
That's why when you see the commercials, and I talked about it, until they signed that deal with this other sporting companies where they were going to give jerseys and outfits to nurses and doctors, they wouldn't even tell fans to do anything but wash your fucking hands. Yeah. That, that's that been a sign in bathrooms and restaurants for 50 years. You know, <clears throat> employees must wash hands before leaving bathroom. And then the signs change to everybody must wash hands before leaving bathroom. Yeah, it's. I mean, you're supposed to know that from the time you're a little kid. I mean, your parents teach you that. I mean, it's uh, it's like one big parental unit looming over all of us constantly now. Wash your hands, do this, don't cough on people, you know, keep your distance. You know, if you're sick, stay home. These are things that should have been done anyway before COVID. Yeah, you know, I, so I just a- like that people, you know, aren't afraid to talk about what's going on in the world today. Because if you if if you can, even the simplest little things like, hey, could we just be a little bit nicer? I mean, that's not hard to do, you know, but it feels like, you know, oh, remember, don't be a bully, be a stir. You know, I remember Seamus, don't be a bully, be a stir. Be, don't be a bully, be a star, be a star. You know, it's like you had to have a campaign in order to fucking say it. All right, we don't have a campaign right now, WWE. How's about fucking saying it anyway? Everybody out there, you know, with what's going on in the world, you know, can we just be a little nicer to each other? You know, why do you have to have this whole fucking don't be a bully, be a star campaign? And and, and to me, I think that was that's a stark difference between WWE and AEW. A, WWE, we want you to pretend like it's, it's, it's not there. And AEW, you know, we, we acknowledge it. We know everybody's going through it. Maybe we could all get together and kind of grow from it. Just my opinion. Just my opinion. It's not Big Brother. It's just simply being a little bit more down to earth and be a little bit more open and honest and not pretend like everything is cake and ice cream right now. You know? And it just feels like WWE's afraid to have people cry. You don't even want a young viewers to cry, you know, because of this. I think it's terrible. But, um... Trust me, everybody. We didn't forget about Undertaker. Remember, we're staying a little bit later. Um, oh, yes. I, I definitely before. wanted to give a shout-out to one person over here, uh, Christian Arachigo. The Angels suck. I can't tell you how many times I put Pujols on my fantasy team the last couple of years. And even on one of my teams, I got fucking uh, what's-his-face uh, on a team. Uh, oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank right now. Because I'm in the wrestling frame of mind. Um, number 27, Mike Trout. Mike Trout, greatest Mike star. Trout. And he fucking kills me on my fantasy team because I spend all my money on Mike Trout. Angels suck. I'm not even a Yankee fan that much. I'm old school Yankee fan. But current old new school, I'm more of a Met fan. A Met, you're a Met fan, yeah, you're a Met fan. Um, somebody wants you to say one nice thing about AEW, other than that it's not on TV right now. Me? Yeah. Two words, Penelope Ford. Okay. All right. The Kelly Bundy of uh, wrestling. I love she, her. You know what? She does kind of remind you a little bit of Kelly Bundy. She does. She does remind. That's a total compliment. You know, I'm not into blondes, but Neither I do. Neither am I, but I love it to her. I feel better realizing in later in life that even in the early episodes of Married with Children that she was of age. That's that's. I'll just say it like that because... For a very long time, myself and a lot of other people started to like get a little guilt, like, you know, you think, and you remember the crowds, you know, the the live audience. Oh 
you know, like, and then you're like, my God, do you know how old she is? And then you find out later years that she was a little bit older than portrayed. You're like, okay. Oh no, she was. And and what thing I like about it is she made quite a career for herself and she's still relevant today. You know, actually everyone, you know, uh, Al, Peggy, they all had a nice career after that. But Christine Applegate, I think, had the best career. So she's still looking good as a middle-aged woman and a mom and uh, doesn't look like the Kelly Bundy of old, but who does? It was freaking 30 years ago, but still a, a very attractive woman today. And Penelope Ford, I just, and I like her more for just her looks. I think she's a good wrestler. I think that she's very underrated, Penelope Ford. So notwithstanding the look, she's actually pretty cool. I like her character, the sunglasses, the leather jacket. I think they could utilize her a lot better. She had a, like a, what, a few minutes squash against, what's her name? Statlander, what's her name? I guess? Oh, yeah, what? no, honestly, that match was good. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you know, she was filling in for Britt Baker last minute, but I, I, I think she's got it. She's got that it factor, and, and uh, you know, she's cool. Guys like her. I think girls like her. So, yeah, there's my nice thing. They got, they got, some, they got some good potential. Luchasaurus is good. I like Jungle Boy. Um, they're, they're obviously MJF is a future superstar. Uh, they have some good talent there. You know, they have some good talent. There you go. Somebody said that Mike Trout is the worst contract in baseball. I guess you, you've never paid attention to Chris Davis on the Baltimore Orioles. To me, that is the worst contract in baseball. That's the worst guy. And who was the guy on the Texas Rangers for a while? That I, Josh Hamilton. Josh that Hamilton, contract yeah. turned into a bust as well. So we'll talk baseball when baseball yeah. comes back. You'll, we'll definitely have some baseball. Bobby Bonilla, uh, Tommy said. Bobby Bonilla. Yeah, but, well, you know, that was – that. you know what? I disagree because at the time, Bonilla wasn't that bad. Um, the Mets did, made a dumb idea of giving him, like, a million a year for, like, what, decades. That was their uh, contract idea. But I have – holy shit. You know, you know what? Plug your show tomorrow. I want to just go grab something really quick. <clears throat> sure. Uh, tomorrow night for Patreon, uh, DTKC Patreon, Castle Chronicles, my solo show. Check it out. I'll get into the Owen Hart uh, show, the Owen Hart show, the Owen Hart documentary from Dark Side of the Ring. Get all into that tomorrow night. Everything with Martha, all of her appearances, a lot of the backlash she got, stuff about Brett, some updates on Brett why Brett wasn't on the show. Uh, so I'll get into all that tomorrow night on uh, Castle Chronicles plus the live chat. We have a lot of fun. We go serious. We go silly. Take that show in all different directions. So on uh, Castle Chronicles tomorrow night, 815 live on the Discord chat for DTKC Patreon. So uh, please so join us. Some people may have seen this from the One Chip Challenge, that mission I did. I wasn't wearing this at the beginning of the show. I put it on because it's mesh and it actually is a little bit cooler to wear. But this right here is an actual uh, baseball jersey, Bobby Bonilla from the Mets. This is a batting practice jersey that he had. I don't remember what year it was, but this is an authentic Bobby Bonilla jersey. And the only reason why I had it was because Bobby Bonilla jerseys, as far as like real jerseys, it's the only thing that would fit me at the time. Because that guy was a pretty big dude. You know, just he had muscles and I had fat where there was muscles, but it still fit. So, uh, yeah, that's a Bobby Bonilla jersey. I just figured I'd just show people who may have never seen it before. Um, JTG uh, put up a beautiful tribute uh, yeah, to Shad sure. Gaspard. I wanted to just read it and share it with everybody really quick. He said, and I quote, I want to thank 
you to all the friends, fans, and family who reached out to me and Shad's family during this difficult time. The outpour of love and support has definitely helped me get through this. I have my moments where I'm in disbelief and feeling a tremendous amount of hurt. But as soon as I start to reminisce about Shad and our relationship, I begin to smile. I have tons of memories of Shad and I just as chilling for no reason, having a great time, enjoying each other's energy, working out together, traveling the world together, laughing about inside jokes that no one around knew about, doing edibles after a show, then binge eating at Red Lobster and our favorite roasting each other uh, relentlessly. The relationship that I and Shad had comes along once in a lifetime. If you have a friend or a loved one that you're close to, always try to make an effort to let them know how much you appreciate them. Tomorrow is never promised. Shad and I have always expressed how much we appreciated each other in each other's lives and then followed it up with a good old-fashioned roast just to balance things out. Shad, thank you for always being there for me. You were more than my tag team partner, more than a friend. You were a big, big brother. I always wanted growing up. The world will remember you for what you are, a hero. And uh, I thought that was really, really beautiful for him to oh, say. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Well, wonderful. And like I said earlier, you know, very, very cool to see the wrestling community, um, even outside of wrestling, just paying oh, love yeah. and tribute. I swear on my, on, my, on my family, my mom called me up last Wednesday and she said, you hear about that wrestler in California? And I said, yeah, because my mom knows nothing about wrestling. And yeah, my, she's like, did mom. you hear about that wrestler in California? I said, yeah, his body was washed up the day before. And she was like, really? Like, her, you know, like you could hear it affected her because she knew heard about the son. And she's like, so tragic, so tragic. I mean, a lot of people outside of wrestling, just the guy truly is going to be looked back as a hero. I, I hope you know, some type of an award is named after him for not her, her heroism because you don't have to die, you know, to be a hero, but man, that, you know, the, that guy's got to live forever for everything good. I don't want that name being swept under the rug. You don't have to talk about him every day or every week, but man, you know, that, that comes as closest to being, you know, like the ultimate, you know, sacrifice yeah yeah it's just it's rough man it's rough so yeah, uh i guess we could talk a little bit about undertaker oh yeah i know favorite. joe punches and a lot of others wanted to uh hear us talk about it now a couple of things the part three of the last ride aired this weekend um undertaker also talked online uh, in an interview about the montreal screw job which I thought was pretty fascinating. I don't know if you checked out that interview yet. I didn't see that interview, but I seen all. I seen the full uh, part three uh, the other day. Yeah. Um, one thing I will tell you that you know is getting a lot of buzz right now, and the reason why I love that this is getting so much attention is because I think it was only last week that we were telling everybody about the WWE DVD that came out. You know, raw, a raw after the bell or whatever it was. And it was basically all the segments that WWE does after Raw goes off the air. And a lot of them involved Austin and beer drinking and this and that. But I brought up last week, and I brought up many times over the years, the one time, and it's on that DVD, and it's probably my favorite moment of the whole DVD. And what happens is cameras were off the air, 
And they're trying to get Undertaker to do a Spinaroonie. And they had Triple H do it. I think, did they have the Rockaroonie they might have done? Vince came out, I think, tried to do it. They tried everything possible to get The Undertaker to do the Spinaroonie. And at one point, I remember he's standing in the corner and he's got this look on his face that you know he just wants to crack up laughing. And you thought for a split second he would do the Spinaroonie, but he didn't. And now the story going around is that... Uh, Triple H told the story that one time there was a six-man tag match and The Undertaker was in the match and so was The Rock and The Rock was trying to do something to make The Undertaker quote-unquote crack, to make him laugh or smile out, out in the ring. And he decided to do the people's elbow. And you know, he did, Rock got an unbelievable reaction for it. And obviously, it became a staple mate and what he's always remembered for. But Triple H tells the story that the original People's Elbow was done solely to try to make The Undertaker laugh. Yeah, I mean, I heard about that. I've heard about the, that. I've heard that story before, actually. What did you What did you think of part three? I liked it. I, I'm, I'm again. I'm a huge Undertaker fan. I mean, I've been for the longest time. Um, I've always been a fan. The American Badass, I liked even better than his uh, dark character because uh, I was more true to him. I mean, I, you know me, DT. I was a territory guy, so I was into Mean Mark Callis. You know, so I mean, I, I followed him back to his career as the Master of Pain in the CWA and when he was um, Texas Red. In uh, Devastation Incorporated and World Class in his rookie year in 1987, so I'm I'm real student of the game when it comes to Mark Calloway's career. Uh, always wanted to meet him. That's my my kind of my uh, bucket list guy to meet in real life as far as a wrestler goes. Him and Bret Hart. Bret would be probably a lot more accessible than Undertaker. But uh, so I'm I'm down to watch anything with Taker. And I love the, I love that he came out. A lot of people, some people, are like ah man, takes the mystique off the can. Now it doesn't. He had to do this eventually. Uh, whether Michelle pushed him into doing it, it's irrelevant because they seem to have a very good marriage, and I have a lot of respect for her. You had said a couple weeks ago how you you respected her too. They seem like a really good couple. Uh, you know, cute kid that they have together. I know he has uh, kids from a previous relationship, um, so they have a nice uh, family family there, and they just look like they get along really well. And Undertaker seems like a real chill guy. I love I love the interview Austin did with him. So I like his candidness and seeing him outside of the gimmick. Um, I, I really enjoyed uh, seeing a lot of stuff I knew, you know, you read about and you've heard about. Uh, and again, he's done a bunch of into the interview ju- uh, circuit for the last year, especially that thing with Austin. Um, but yeah, it's re- it's getting a lot of high praise on like sports uh, media and stuff like that. Uh, there's two more parts, right? There's five parts, four and five. Five. Is that right? Yes. Five altogether. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, uh, and it leaves you kind of on, you know, left off obviously on part three with that clusterfuck that was the. Uh, I remember us talking about it. Uh, that DX versus the uh, Brothers of Destruction. Uh, that that match was was horrible, and it was funny seeing all them saying, "Oh, that sucked. That was terrible." All four of them were just like horrified. But Undertaker took it the hardest. He's a perfectionist. That's the one thing I didn't know about him that much. DT is what a fucking perfectionist he is. Uh, he, he does not like, and that's why he keeps coming back. He is not satisfied with his matches. When he watches, he's his hardest critic. Uh, so I've learned that about him. So I'm, I, I know a lot about him, but what I did learn is 
He's really a perfectionist, and he wants to go out on his terms. And I just we don't know when. But Michelle even said uh, on the episode last night that for her, ideally, it would have been, even though he didn't like the match, it should have been a wrap on his career when he put the jacket down with the hat in the ring with Roman. That should have been it for him. That came from his wife. So, uh, But Mark wasn't satisfied. Here we are three years later, and he's still, we're going to see him again. And uh, as a fan, I love it. I've, I've said it's time for him to retire, too. You see, when he walks around, he, he's walking better now because of his hip surgery. But he's still 55 years old, and he's a giant guy and his joints and stuff. You know, he's, he's six foot nine, six foot ten, big dude. So the wear and tear is a lot worse on someone who's 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, um, so, you know, I want him to be okay. And But he, he seems to know what he's doing. He's a smart guy. You know, he's not being manipulated and doing anything by Vince. This is all him. That's another thing I learned, DT. It's him who's doing this. It isn't Vince, please come back. It's Taker doing this. So that's what I learned about it, and I'm really enjoying it. I liked it. I will tell you I didn't like it as much as part one or two because it felt like almost everything we've seen on part three could have been shown on part one or two. I liked that they talked more about Kane. Um, you know, yeah, this talked about Shawn Michaels, you know, the Saudi Arabia match. The one thing that kind of like, I know why they had to do it, but still it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Shawn Michaels never said the reason why he came out of retirement. The idea, oh, he came out of retirement because of Undertaker. Yeah, he got Saudi money. That's why he came out of retirement. Oh, yeah, I didn't really think about that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, that guy, Hotman, uh, in the chat, I blocked him. He's gone. So uh, I see now there's one particular setting that, you know, I basically could evaporate somebody. So, you know, it's not just report or remove. There's other things you could do. So he should be gone. But um, plus, I don't think he's going to like how he reported him. (laughs) But anyway, you know, the Undertaker thing, like I said, you know, um, they really dragged out the Saudi Arabia match. You know, Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement was obviously a big deal. But this is an Undertaker documentary. It's not about Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement. And Shawn Michaels came out of retirement because of the payday that he was offered. Yes, he was fighting Undertaker, Kane, and Triple H. You know, there's, you know, four-way, you know, the tag team DX versus Brothers of Destruction. But if that Saudi money was not there, he would not have been coming out of retirement. That was number one. Um, look, the match was awful, but you know, the match wasn't awful because of anything that Undertaker did. That's why I don't know why they spent so much time in it. All right. He had an awful match, but Shawn Michaels was, his timing was off everything. You know, like they even said, oh, Kane's a mayor now. And Shawn Michaels has been retired and triple H tore his arm as soon as he, the beginning of the match, that's why the match really sucked more than anything else. I don't know why so much time was spent on it when Undertaker was really the least of the cause of that match being so so lackluster as it was. So I, I, I enjoyed part three, but it just felt like that could have been cut in half and put on as part of part two, take a little bit of part two and put it on part one. And I think we could have gotten a lot more meat and potatoes out of it. Um, Did you see that funny spoof where Undertaker and and Kane are in the back 
and DX made the challenge to them, and Kane is in his mask, and he's talking about the challenge, and Undertaker was supposed to say, rested, we got three words for you, and Taker was supposed to say, rest in peace on TV. Did you see the spoof? Yeah, when he cursed? Yeah. When, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Kane, Kane basically was answering the challenge of DX, and Kane says that, you know, we have three words for you, Instead of Undertaker saying "rest in peace," Undertaker says "go fuck yourself," and then <laughs> Kane does the, the 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 DX chop, and that was funny shit, man. That's but awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I tell you, I absolutely love that Undertaker opened up like this because now you know Hall of Fame is happening. Now you you know you know that he is more approachable. You know, he talks about he talked about Shad Gaspard with Mario Lopez, which I had mentioned Friday. Saw that clip, yeah. Yeah, so it just you know, and it, and what amazed me about it is the number of people that were focusing that you know, he's so pro at USA and he I think he had a Trump shirt on once or he's Republican. I'm like, you know, someone's political affiliation should not matter. You know, if anything, it shows you that, oh, my God, here is someone who might support Trump. And look, he's a fucking great guy. You know, this yeah. this writing everybody, you know, basing everybody with a broad brush, whether they support Bernie or Trump or Biden or anything you know, good people do support people that you may not agree or even like. That doesn't make them a bad person. And I just thought, you know, Undertaker supports our troops big time, supports our cops big time. You should not change your feelings of Undertaker because he loves this person or this person. I even saw with the AEW stuff now, people are ripping AEW because... Shad Khan donated a million dollars to Trump or the Republican. Just fucking be a wrestling fan, you know, yeah, and judge it, people, you know, by the content. What, what isn't that what what um, Martin Luther King said? You judge well, people said, by the content of their character, of, of their character, not the color of their skin. yeah, not the color of their skin or their their political affiliation or anything. Judge people on the con the content of their character. And, you know, if you're going to suddenly turn on Undertaker or this person or this person simply because, oh, my God, I can't I can't get over the fact that this person supports this, well, then maybe you're the problem. Not you, but, you know, those the people out there are the problem. He's a Texas boy. I don't know. What did people think? He really came from Death Valley? <laughs> he came from you know? Conservative Valley. He's, a cons I, he's always been a conservative. I, everybody kind of knows that. It's like Clint Eastwood, one of the greatest active directors of all time, one of the coolest men to walk the planet. I think it's hysterical when someone says, yeah, but he's a Republican. I, I'm like, are you kidding me? I fucking, you know, look at the dossier, look at that dossier of work. I mean, I, it doesn't, who, who fucking I, cares? I praise the shit out of Mick Foley. I've been doing it for decades. I've told the stories personally and stuff with him. And that guy does not like Trump at all. Not not, he is not, and he will retweet stuff that is totally against our president. Doesn't change my feelings on him at all. Doesn't. So, no. you know, I people have the right to to follow who they want, support who they want. I judge people by the content of their character. So, um, but I, I'm looking forward to part four more than part three. 
Is but, it this week or two weeks? They said on TV it was two weeks from now. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand why everybody seems to be taking a week off. I, I think it's going to air Sunday. It would make no sense to wait a week because, number, I even saw that, like, I'm a big fan of Live PD. And I was watching Live PD this weekend, and they're skipping a week. And I'm like, why are they skipping a week? Now I'm hearing Undertaker documentary skipping oh, a week. Like, why is everybody skipping a week? I got I got the promo, Phil. Thank you, Phil, the promoter. Undertaker Last Ride promo. Part four will be available uh, to watch for everyone Sunday, uh, June 14th. Part five will be Sunday, June 21st. Oh, so they're milking it now. They're stretching yeah, they're it out it. a little bit. All right. Hey, you know what? I'd rather have it wait a week than not have it at all. Yeah. So... But, um, look, I, I'm loving it. Um, it's really flying by. You know, we're already three-fifths into this already. I'm wondering if this is all to set up his final match. Um, if you really think about it, it doesn't feel like Undertaker is retiring anytime soon. You know, even though we don't get too many matches from him anymore. But I'm really enjoying this, and... I'm a little surprised they didn't do this more with other talents in the past because you know for a fact if they followed Undertaker all of these years with the cameras, they followed a lot of people over the years with the cameras. So I I would love to see them do one with Vince. I think if they did one with Vince, I think that would probably be the ultimate. But I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, they probably won't. Yeah. But I definitely invite everybody out there to go out and check the interview that Undertaker did uh, talking about the Montreal Screwjob. You know, he he basically, you know, just to summarize it, like he was angry about the whole situation with the Screwjob. And, you know, as people saw in part three of the Undertaker documentary, that he was never close with Shawn Michaels wasn't really close with Triple H either, but you could see that there was a little bit of disdain with Shawn Michaels because Shawn Michaels, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, he was part of the clique and Undertaker had his BSK crew, uh, Bone Street crew, and they were uh, kind of adversaries. He did not like Shawn Michaels for a lot of years. And I only think in the mid-2000s did Taker start liking him again. Yeah. Um, he kind of says that he thinks that maybe Brett would have probably dropped the belt to Undertaker if it wasn't Shawn with the whole thing with the screw job. But, uh, you know, it's it's a great conversation if you want to go check it out. See, this is the thing. Undertaker is now doing a lot more interviews. And you, you know there's going to be some podcasters that are going to get the opportunity to interview them. And some podcasters may actually even follow what we do. You get the opportunity to interview Undertaker. You know, obviously, you be respectful. You don't do gotcha stuff. You know, I know people are trying to figure out, you know, like what was removed from Brie, uh, Brie and Nikki Bella's book, you know, because there was portions of it taken out at the request of John Cena and WWE. And a lot of people think that one of the things that was taken out of the book was the issues with Michelle McCool, I believe. But you don't want to play gotcha, you know. But here is a fabulous time to be interviewing this guy about moments that have taken place while this guy had his career. I'm still waiting for him to really open up a little bit about, you know, the after the Monday Night Wars and when WCW went off the air and the, some of the people that came into the company. I mean, we already know a little bit here and there, but there is a lot of stuff that can be brought up that he has not brought up yet. 
And, you know, we just got Montreal Screwjob discussed a little bit. And there's a lot of other moments. He could talk about individuals, you know, Austin leaving. And there's so many things, you know, that could be brought up. But I'll tell you one thing, looking back on this, seeing Ric Flair's recent interview and seeing some words out of Kurt Angle's mouth and seeing what Undertaker says, you know, I'm very surprised of how much these guys and people in WWE look at Roman Reigns. I mean, there's no doubt Roman Reigns is a really good guy. Yeah. But it's just when you start actually paying attention to this, like they really, you know, like Ric Flair, if he could have one more match, he actually would, would have a Roman Reigns. I mean, sure, it might be, you know, the best answer he could give right now, but... You know, AJ Styles has said stuff about Reigns and, you know, Undertaker and just you go down the list. It's amazing how much they focus on Roman Reigns over other people. They do. So, but other than that, um, I think we're pretty much done on Wednesday. You know, we have Kurt Angle that's going to be refereeing the match between Matt Riddle and uh, Timothy Thatcher. Yeah, it should be good. Yeah, I I don't know if it's going to be like at a lion's den or just a straight-up cage, but, you know, it's nice to see that Kurt Angle is coming back for a spot because, remember, they just let him go recently. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was a straight-up fire or a furlough. You know, some people were furloughed, will be brought back. Probably furloughed, yeah. Yeah, I hope it's furloughed. Um, you know, we also have um, Tyson showing up Wednesday. For Dynamite, which will be interesting. Hey, Britt Baker will announce how long she's going to be out. Some people now are saying only two months. You know, we'll 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 see. You know what we find. Also, uh, two other things. Tracy Smothers has been going through chemo, and he did an interview last week that his cancer. You know, he's he's doing better, but he's not out of the woods yet. And um, Becky Lynch did a really nice interview. And showed a lot of love and appreciation for Asuka. And something that she revealed that I think a lot of people may have not even known, that Asuka is a mother as well. Oh, no, I knew about that. I, yeah. I knew about that. But a lot of people were very shocked to hear that. Just, just like a lot of people were shocked when Seth Rollins did the Sports Illustrated interview. A lot of people don't even know that, you know, Roman Reigns not only has one set of twins, he's got two sets of twins. No, I knew that. I was just telling somebody that the other day. They were telling me I was wrong. I'm like, no, I'm not wrong. He yeah. has two sets of twins. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, there's some good interviews out there, and I'll leave everybody with this. I, I want your opinion on it, and, you know, definitely, you know, you say how you feel about it, but, you know, after watching Dynamite on Saturday, uh, Dynamite, uh, Double or Nothing on Saturday, I know this is going to sound kind of ridiculous to some of you out there, but this is just my honest opinion. Like ever since COVID struck and I look at WrestleMania, Money in the Bank, and Double or Nothing, you know, between the Boneyard match, between the Firefly Funhouse match, between the Money in the Bank match at the headquarters and the uh, Stadium Stampede Saturday, I got to be honest with you, for three pay-per-views i think overall these pay-per-views have been really pleasantly better than i think a lot of people were fearing a lot of people were expecting wrestlemania to suck 
A lot of people thought money in the bank was going to suck. A lot of people thought double or nothing was going to suck. And I got to be honest with you, this is three pay-per-views that I'm thinking about right now. And we have NXT TakeOver in your house next uh, week from this Saturday. It's a week, I think it's a week before. Um, you have NXT TakeOver in your house coming up. I think this is going to be four or five pay-per-views in a row that I think were a hell of a lot better than people expected. I don't know if the Boneyard match or the Firefly Funhouse match or even the... The Stampede Stadium match or Stadium Stampede match. I don't think any of those three matches could have would have possibly happened if we had, we didn't have COVID. So I don't know. I mean, your reflection of the last uh, couple of months of pay per views. What's your take on it? Because a lot of people disagree I, with me. No, I think we you know listen. Wrestling was forced into a situation that you know we've all been forced to to get acclimated to a situation that we never expected uh i don't care when the warning was or whatever no one saw this coming we didn't i never thought i'd be going on three months out of work and you know seeing talking to my my workmates and not knowing when we're going to see each other again literally or when we're going to have a show again when we're going to have bands again or concerts uh you know i try not to even think about it because it makes me physically sick um because it's it's something to definitely worry about it's our career it's our future one thing that I, I told DT this, and I've told the guys, you know, Mish, Joe, John, is that uh, wrestling, you know, has been been here. Thank God, this was a, a side gig for me that I've done for years with you from the hotlines doing this, um, and wrestling winds up being really a saving grace for me. I'm not just talking financially. I'm talking about just to occupy my mind and my time and, and entertain me as well as I get to talk about it. I get the privilege of being on a podcast and people listening to my opinions and, uh, you know, some value them, value them, some don't, or some agree, some don't. But wrestling uh, has been there, and they've managed to put on shows for us, and I appreciated it. I'm, I wasn't one of those guys, if you even heard me in my reviews uh, for WrestleMania and everything else, I, 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 I appreciated it. Not that they were putting their lives on the line, COVID, my God, what can happen? But because they were they were trying to at least do something. I gave them credit. And they put on the best shows they can. Obviously, there were some things that stood out, some shit that was clunkers. But that would have gone on, DT, if even if there was a crowd, even if there was an arena full of people. Some of the matches would have sucked. Some of them would have been good. But since this COVID thing happened, this was uh, the one positive that's been there for me has been wrestling. I mean, absolutely. Something I've loved my whole life since 1979. And uh, so I've I've been so glad that we're able to do these shows and have content to talk about. You know, we would get through it. Me and you, we'd come up with stuff to talk about. We You know, you do several shows a week. I do a couple of shows a week, different stuff. But thank God there's new content to talk about and there's fresh content. We can keep talking about the thing that we're here for, which is wrestling. So I appreciate it, DT. I, I I uh, even AEW. I joke around, haha. Kevin hates AEW. I don't hate anything, and I don't hate anybody. I like to bag on it, I like to goof on it, but I do it more to just get a reaction. Not even to piss people off per se, but just to just to make a left when everybody else is making a right. It's just my way. I just that's what I do. Same thing when I was supporting Roman Reigns. Everyone was telling me you're crazy. Everybody can't stand them, and now people have kind of come around on him after the cancer thing. But uh, again. I appreciate what we've been seeing. Has it been the best? No. 
Had there been some things that were great? Yeah, the, the Undertaker-AJ Styles match. To this day, I still go back and watch it. I've seen that match 10 times. And I'll go and watch the stadium match with AEW. I'm not, You think I'm actually not watching the AEW? I, I won't watch it. I watch it. I'm just fucking with people. I'm a more of a WWE guy, of course. It's my preference. You know, everyone's got a preference. But uh, I appreciate good wrestling, and I appreciate all the companies, well, the two, obviously, AEW and WWE, that are putting on new content for us to check out. Talk about it. You guys tune in. You're up with us at 1.40 in the morning listening to the show live. Appreciate everybody from YouTube and Discord. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. I wanted to go back because... Let's be honest, E.T., this has run its course with all of us here. we got to get back to some normality here with everything, with our lives, with wrestling. But it, at the very least, wrestling has provided new content for us. And uh, I appreciate it. Has it been the best? No. But it is better than nothing, and it's the only thing happening today. And thank God for it. That's uh, my big rant on, uh, on that. So that's how I feel. Yeah. All right. With that said, I think we can uh, start wrapping this up. Because you have your Patreon show tomorrow. I got Wednesday night down on my Wednesday. And then uh, going to try to possibly do, you know, some type of a Q&A thing. Maybe on Thursday with everybody. But if that happens, that will be way after soup goes off the air. I'm not going to clash with soup. Thursday is soup night. So, you know, I'll basically have what you could have the left. I'll have the leftovers after soup is done. <laughs> not sure if that's going to happen yet. Maybe we'll just do Friday. But uh, Friday will be on no matter what. But, uh, Kev, I'll talk to you tomorrow night. Okay. Yeah, everyone, thanks, YouTube, Discord. Anybody wants to follow me on Twitter, it's Kev Z Castle on Twitter. And I'll catch you guys tomorrow. Sounds good. All right. Take care. All right, everybody. Going to wrap this up. Now, don't forget, in the very near future, going to start trying to play a little bit of taking calls. Uh, not sure if we're going to do it on Wednesday night, Dynamite, or Friday's Don Tony show, or maybe we do, like, every other week a special show on a Saturday. You know, I got Patreon that we do also, so I can't n- neglect our Patreon family, obviously. But uh, that will be the call-in number. That will be happening, I would say, within the next two weeks. You know, right now, I'm just trying to set up what would be the easiest way to screen calls, you know, um, I have to do everything myself and uh, cannot do it on Mondays, as I said before, because that my other computer is used specifically for Kev. So, um, you know, taking calls, would I would use that computer for taking calls. Um, Going to utilize some type. Somebody sent me software that I might actually purchase. It's not cheap. Um, I don't want to say how much it is, but it's kind of pricey. But the idea is, is that if anybody wants to call into the show, you don't have to register your phone number or anything like that. But basically, you would have to log in or something to basically uh, in order to call into the show. But that that works because then I could kind of, as I'm doing the show, screen it and see what people want to talk about. And I get to see everybody like when you you sign in or whatever, you type in your name or your number or whatever, or you just type in your name and underneath there's like a line and you basically just type in pretty much what you want to talk about. And then this way we can bring people on. But I'm telling you, it's actually, uh, it's pretty cool. I'm starting to, you know, look into that. 
My sincere apologies earlier about uh, that little audio glitch. I honestly don't know what happened to start the static. I don't know how long the static was going, but like I said, I do know the reason why, because the, the bit rate that comes in from Kev into the mixer and then the bit rate from my microphone going into the mixer and then an, a different bit rate goes into my computer and sometimes they clash and you end up with a little bit of static. Anybody that's tuning in live before we go, do you remember earlier how long the static was? Because I know trying to fix it was about three minutes. I don't think it was more than that. But um, no, Benjamin, the old glitch was a cable. This was not cable related. This is uh, a technical technical related. Sometimes bit rates clash. And I don't know if anybody else out there has ever experienced this. If you want, okay, James says about five minutes was the static. All right. But if you um, look around online, there's a lot of topics on YouTube. All you got to type is podcast underwater. You'll get some podcasts about on, you know underwater, like fishing or swimming. But a lot of people have talked about technical problems that they'll be doing a show. And then all of a sudden, it sounds like they're, they're underwater. And there is uh, some type of a bit rate issue with the audio that if it doesn't match up, um, that's why one time about two years ago, I was doing a show with Mish. And after we did the show and we played it back, it was the, our voices were a lot faster than, you know, we were talking. And then what happened was like this, the, the, the bit rate that we used didn't match the recording program. So it was almost like a record. I hate using record analogies because it's old, but it's like having a record that's supposed to be in 33 speed and you're playing it on 45 speed and it sounds like Alvin and the Chipmunks. So uh, it's not fun when you get little glitches like this. But, you know, if you notice, it always happens when I, on, usually on Monday uh, because sometimes there's a mismatch. But, you know, I don't think it'll happen again. And if it does, you know, we'll fix it. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Much love as always. And uh, you know, I hope everybody, you know, really thinks about some of the stuff that we talked about earlier. Um, not saying that you have to listen to us or anybody else out there. And not saying that everybody has to be altar boys and, you know, prim and proper and treat everybody. You know, when we were kids and like your parents would tell you, you know, you say, hello, sir. Hello, ma'am. You, you always be, you know, I'm not saying to do that, but, you know, don't assume that the person you're talking to online, no matter how many years it is, no matter how pleasant they may sound, no matter how great they look, no matter how you perceive them to be, if you don't know them personally and really, you know, ex have that intimate relationship with someone, and I don't mean in a sexual way, never jump to conclusions because it's pretty obvious, and I've been saying this many, many years, some of the people who claim to be the toughest son of a bitch is online. The minute they get insulted once, they get massively triggered over it. And there's some people out there who come across as the toughest people around and they could end up being the most fragile and everything about them could just be a front. And the problem is, is you're never fully sure. That's the dangerous part about it. When some people sometimes say to me, you know, why don't you call people out by name? You know, I, one of my fears, God honest truth, I have some 
doozies about some people over the years, you know, that it would really expose some crazy shit. But, you know, I don't want to do that because, God forbid, you do that and so, and you get this cancer culture after the person and then you realize that the person is extremely fragile emotionally and then something tragic or disastrous happens, I would not be able to deal with that. So, you know, I, I choose to just try to be positive, try to keep the negative away as much as possible, and just try to be nice to people. You know, I will be an asshole sometimes to people, and I will say some outrageous things, but the malicious intent, that's pretty much gone. I'm not malicious, you know. I, I think that comes across. But, you know, Benjamin and others say I've truly changed. No, I just grew up a little bit. You know, you evolve. You know, I knew people personally who lost their lives, drug overdose, suicide. You see these stories online of people. You see people committing crimes that you would, you hear people say, I had no idea that this person was like this. You get people that get outed and get arrested for child pornography or, you know, abuse of a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. And then you say, my God, I knew this person 20 years or I've been talking to this person online for 10 years. I had no idea that this person was doing this. You can't, you know, as much as you commingle with people online, you can't assume that, you know, that they're exactly the person you envision them to be. And some people, unfortunately, talk and put their foot in their mouths that doesn't mean that, you know, you should bash them to the point where, you know, maybe something tragic happens. And if something does tragic, what do you say? So it's it's not it's not fun, man. It's not fun. But uh, I wish everybody a pleasant evening. It's time for me to go. It's 10 to 2 in the morning, and I swear in a stack of Bibles. I got my significant other inside, and I have to take her home tomorrow, and I have to be in my office for 9 a.m., which means that, you know, I'll be getting up around 6.30 in the morning and I still got to edit, put stuff online. But don't forget, tomorrow on Patreon, if you want to sign up, patreon.com slash Don Tony. Kev will be doing a solo show. Wednesday, I will be right back here on YouTube for Wednesday Night Dynamite. We'll recap NXT, uh, AEW. You know, I on paper, these shows look solid. Let's see if they deliver. And then uh, either Thursday, maybe we'll do a Q&A. Or maybe I'll just save it for Friday because Friday I have a feeling is going to be a little bit, you know, lacking of topics. But uh, no, no coffee, man. I've only had two or three cups of coffee in the last eight or nine days. I take this stuff called Prove It, P-R-U-V-I-T. They're ketones and they have one packet as enough caffeine for like 16 ounces of coffee. So sometimes, you know, I get a little uh, irritable because of it. But everyone... Have a great night. No, I can't stay up much longer. I, I have so much editing and stuff to do still. Even on the audio download, I got to cut out that, you know, five minutes of let me fix this. So I got a lot of work ahead. I wish I could just turn it off and be done, but I have another hour's worth of work at least. But join me Wednesday. Definitely join me Wednesday. And um, I hope between now and Wednesday things calm down a little bit online. Because this this is not, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. And in the end, nobody wins. Nobody wins. 
That's that's the worst part about it. You think about it, nobody wins. So that's pretty much it, everybody. Let me get out of here. I don't want to ramble no more. I'll catch you all again Wednesday. And the fucking battery just died on my fan. So before I start sweating bullets again, I'm out of here. Take care, everybody. Be well. I'll talk to you all again Wednesday. Ciao. Oh my. It was fun to channel surf. It was kind of hard to do a little pocket pool after you hitting the last channel button 50 times for two hours plus. John oh my. And his whole idea of overanalyzing, oh, he's an alcoholic and he misplaced the belt. And how could you have someone champion like that? Get the fuck out of here. Wednesday night. Don Mike, you can have fun. You really are. <laughs> New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com 